do you have a bit? Why would I have a bit? I don't... Why wouldn't you have a bit? I don't know. This is as much your show as it is mine. How's your Danny DeVito? I don't know. What's a, what's a Danny DeVito line? I'll play this city like a harp from hell. Like a harp from hell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, he's not he's not really leaning in. He kind of is as, you know, her dad, but he's not leaning into that DeVito, you know, jersey. Yeah. Because he does the narration, too, and his narration is very... Uh, measured. Yeah, it's very way. measured. Nice. Yeah. Everyone is born, but not everyone is born the same. Like, he's mm-hmm. very like... He's like, hi, I'm Danny DeVito. I'm not always a scumbag. Yeah. But you know me from playing scumbags. <laughs> Almost always. I mean, they're likable, because he's likable. Yeah. He's never like the word. I mean, well, he played Hoffa, so I guess depending on which side of the of the argument you're on, Hoffa was the worst, I guess. Or no, he just directed that. He didn't play Hoffa, right? I don't remember. That was a movie that was too boring for me to watch on HBO as a kid. Yeah, I didn't see it. I was like, oh, because like I'm big into mysteries. Yep. So like, where's Jimmy Hoffa buried? Which apparently they just like news broke this week. I mean, according to my mother, so probably from NPR. I don't know if that's true. But, like, they now know where Jimmy Hoffa is buried. But that was, like, a long-standing like, mystery. Like, how did yeah. this man just disappear? And it was like, well, the mob. <laughs> I thought they probably threw him in a river or something. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. Mob shit. I mean, there's a joke on The Simpsons where he's buried at, like, the 50-yard line of, you know, Yankee Stadium or whatever the fuck. You know, wherever. Chicago. So it's not Yankee Stadium. It's... Yeah, Yankee Stadium. They What's the Chicago baseball. one? Don't tell me... I don't Don't know. tell me what it's not. Tell me what it is. Um, I don't know. Doesn't matter. Better the 50-yard line of, insert correct sports stadium here. Yeah. Well, also, 50-yard line is football, not baseball. Uh, no. <laughs> baseball diamond is more than 50 yards long, so there is a 50-yard line. <laughs> okay. It's not, like, you know, <laughs> chalked onto the ground, but it's there. <laughs> you know where to look. That's why they never found him. <laughs> They're digging in the wrong place. fuck are we talking about i mean who knows thanks for listening everybody bye <laughs> uh we're talking about so we we've recently stumbled into the pattern of just doing a few you know film from our some of our favorite directors that trend continues today because i looked at this d- director's filmography and except for the one movie of his that i two movies i have not seen and one that is not out yet kind of doesn't miss Oh yeah, yeah. I actually didn't look, so um, you'll have to. Our director tell me. today is Danny DeVito, uh, and the film we're talking about is Matilda from 1996, uh, based on the Roald Dahl book. Yeah, it's not the what 80, 80, 80 something, something fighting, fighting kangaroo. kangaroo movie. No, it's the other one, the yeah. one that you've actually heard of. Yeah, m- much to <laughs> Rosalie's disappointment. Hi, Rosalie. Hi, Rosalie. But free plug for the fighting kangaroo movie. It it. It honks. Uh, <laughs> it is fantastic. Yeah. It is yeah. unlike anything I've ever seen. But because mm-hmm. like it's the plot is fine. It's like they have a kangaroo. The kangaroo can box and they're going to, you know, 
it's an animal act. They take it on the road, they're gonna make some money, okay, and there's some plot, okay, whatever. But the kangaroo is fucking horrifying. It's yeah. not a kangaroo, nor is it a CG or animated kangaroo or a puppet kangaroo. It's a man in a kangaroo costume. That maybe they do a little puppetry for the facial expressions. Yeah, in close-ups yeah. and stuff. But in, like, yeah. two shots where they're standing next to the kangaroo, it's like a human being in this kangaroo costume that has, like, the scariest eyes. Like, yeah, well, it's they're so... they're kind of red and possessed looking. It's unsettling. <laughs> um... But that makes the rest of the movie somehow better. Yeah. And in my Letterboxd review, I compared it to um, perfumers when they make a smell. You know, they'll add, I think it's six different, like, notes, scent notes, you know. And they'll add one that is a bit foul. Yeah. Um, because it calls the rest into contrast and makes mm-hmm. them stronger. Yeah. It's, it's, like, it's like when you add salt to a dessert to make the sweet stuff taste sweeter. Blah, blah, blah. It's like that. It's that theory. So, by making this completely, like existentially terrifying yeah. kangaroo that you look at through this whole movie. <laughs> the movie's pretty good. Yeah. Also Elliot Gould. Yeah. Oh, it's actually, it's 1978. 78, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I knew, I thought it was early 80s. But Even earlier. 70s, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 78 Matilda, Boxing Kangaroo, Seek It Out, It's Worth Finding. Directed by Daniel Mann. Dan Mann. Mm-hmm. Uh, boutique labels, if you're going to do a Matilda release, please contact either myself or Rosalie. Uh, we will talk at length about how good the boxing kangaroo Matilda is from 78. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, can you look up Danny DeVito's filmography for me? Wow, yeah, he's got a bunch of... He's got 14 soundtrack credits. But anyway, I'll ignore the shorts. Yeah, yeah, he he, he started out with shorts. He did some TV he, uh, as well. Yeah, some TV movies, some mm-hmm. TV. Uh, Obviously, ooh, like, he directed... TV. Yeah, because oh. he, he was on Taxi. He directed some taxis. He directed like Throw Ma from the Train, which, which I know you love. I, I don't I don't remember... Or... I, I can't say for certain if I love it. I haven't seen it in far mm-hmm. too long. But I remember it being way better than it had any right to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I generally have, like, positive memories of that film. Mm-hmm. Okay. The War of the Roses. War of the Roses is good. Um, I haven't seen that also in a long time. I had no idea he directed it, but that was, like, really good. Uh-huh. Hoffa, which... You talked Hoffa, about. Which I saw parts of, but never really watched because as a kid, it was like, it's it's about politics. That's boring, you know? But so, no. Opinion. I mean, it's about corruption in politics, which yeah, is a would, little less boring. Right. If you had <laughs> yeah. explained that to yeah. me. Yeah. To, to child me. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I was, without realizing it, because this movie didn't exist yet, I was kind of hoping that Hoffa would be like Zodiac, where it was oh. going to be like... You know, speculation. Yeah, or like where, you know, who killed him? Where is he buried? What yeah. happened to Hoffa? And I was actually also, if I'm being honest, hoping that like Bigfoot did it or uh-huh. aliens. Sure. Yeah. Like Elvis came down out of a or flying like, saucer. Um, was like, come on, man, we're going back to Jupiter, baby. Let's go. Yeah. Or like from Hell, which yeah, yeah. was a great comic, but I heard it's a bad movie. It's <laughs> it's very of the time it was made. Sure. After Hoffa, he did Matilda. Matilda was yeah. Spoilers. Uh, which we're good. talking about today. And then Death to Smoochie. Death to Smoochie is great. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, that movie is completely underrated. It's weird. It's all, it's a weird tone. It was a weird time. A lot of dark comedies and things. And this is, that is one. But, um, I think that movie's really good. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Duplex. Duplex is the other one I just have not seen. I remember, you know, the plot of it and whatever, which is another dark comedy where, uh, uh it's, is that Ben Stiller? Uh, somebody I don't know. doesn't matter but yeah. um it's it's a couple of newlyweds and they they want to get a really nice apartment but first they have to kill the current resident who's like a mean old lady oh interesting yeah it's, oh yeah it's it's ben stiller and drew barrymore yeah th- those kinds of dark comedies are a fine line to walk yes um and th- that's a couple of years after uh teaching mrs tingle came out which was uh mm. 
Kevin Williamson, the writer of Scream and creator of Dawson's Creek and stuff, he he wrote this script about yeah, a bunch of kids um, getting even with their incredibly mean for no reason teacher. Didn't they kill her by accident? Yeah, they yeah. were gonna like I think just torture, not torture, but like they were gonna tie her up and uh, like force her to give them good passing grades or yeah. whatever so their lives weren't ruined by high school <laughs> yeah i think kids. i saw parts of it yeah and then they accidentally kill her i think and then it's like what do we do how do we hide the body or whatever you know yeah it's one of those deals mm-hmm. um but yeah those those dark comedies are a fine line to walk because people don't I, I think the biggest problem and i think i've talked about this before is that hollywood doesn't give directors enough control over their product not not just in making it but in advertising it so you give it to somebody else who doesn't have any stake in what the film is and be like, here, you tell everyone what this movie is. And they advertise it either as like, oh, it's so dark. Or they're like, oh, it's a comedy. And it's both, which means you're going to alienate half your audience. Yeah. You know, they're going to be like, oh, I came because it looks funny. They put a fart sound in the trailer. Ha 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 ha. And they show up and it's like, we got to kill an old lady so we can get an apartment. And you're like, oh, I don't like this. This makes me feel weird. Yeah. But if you were like, we're going to kill an old lady. To get this apartment. Also, there's a fart sound. Then everybody that showed up is like, I know exactly what I'm here for. Right. And that's that's been a problem for me for years with uh, seeing films advertised. Yeah. And stuff. And it's, it's because they, yeah. it's because advertising a film's job isn't about, their job isn't to correctly advertise the film. No. There's no failure there. It's just trying to get as many people many into, butts the money, and seats. Yeah, yeah. into the money machine as possible. And, I get it. And that sucks. Yeah. Because their job should be... Did you appropriately advertise this film? No. You are fired. Yeah. Into space. Well, yeah. I mean, like, I feel like it makes the initial reactions to movies worse because people are seeing it and not having appropriate expectations for the film. Yeah. You know. Yeah, exactly. This is is across the board. This is a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. This is a ton of things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Um, I've... But... It's been better for me because of stuff like this where like i start to know directors and you know types of projects and types of projects that certain actors work on and stuff and so i can get more of a feel for what something might yeah if you see a director that you know their their you know general vibe and you see them attached to a project that is being advertised as like oh it's a romantic comedy you can be like I bet there's something else going on here. Uh, do you still have his, dir- his filmography up? Yeah. Can well, you tell so, me the other title? It's upcoming. Yes. Uh, I was actually just about to talk about that. Um, he's got a movie completed, but yes. hasn't dropped. Yes. What is it called? Called St. Sebastian. St. Sebastian. Is, uh, post-apocalyptic. Yeah. Survivor Russian in a post-apocalyptic dystopia. Russia after a nuclear war. Yeah. Is I, the. Yeah. Know. That's the byline. I read that the other day and I was just like. It seems like a lot. Yeah. A. <laughs> And this is no, this is not me throwing any shade at Danny DeVito, but like, can we not do a dystopia for a little bit? Because we're in one. Yeah. You better start believing in dystopias. Because oh you're in one. Did like, you do that last time? I think I do that oh all the boy. time because we're never not in one. I know. <laughs> but, um, so again, like knowing DeVito's filmography, you know, being at least somewhat familiar with his type of project, I, I, you know... I wonder if that film is going to have other dimension to it. If it's going to be, like, funnier than that sounds. Not a comedy, necessarily, but, like, funny. Anywho, yeah, we're yep. today we're talking about Matilda. Yes. Making life-saving inventions out of household material. Matilda! Oh, wait, no, that's MacGruber. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm not very familiar with MacGruber. Oh, no, now you are. Because okay. you heard the theme song, and that's the whole plot. It's a uh, MacGyver riff. 
Well, yes. Will Forte. Yeah, we watched the movie, but I know it's based off of like a, a skit. Saturday Night Live. Yeah, skit. yeah. Where he makes life-saving inventions out of household material, and his name is MacGruber. So yeah. that's the whole thing. Yep. And well, I mean, in the skit, it always uh, he fails to do it, and then it blows up. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's funnier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny when people explode. Yeah. Yeah. Matilda. 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 Um, so yes, directed by Danny DeVito, who also narrates. And it's based off of the book Roll Doll by book. Roll Doll. I said this already. Okay. 1996 said that too. So the basic plot is that uh, a, a pair of very average parents who already have a child, a son named Michael. I'd um, on the scale say that they're shitty to average. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I know, they're very uh, unspecial. Yeah, they're, you know. <laughs> I mean, he's a lowball crook. Um, she's at worst opportunistic. And Michael's, uh, honestly, he's a lot like AJ from The Sopranos. He's just, he's just there underachieving. Yeah. And into this family is born Matilda, who is uh, incredibly bright, um, you know, uh, has a a verve for learning and education and loves to read and wants to go to school and all these things that they, you know, don't value at all. Um, And also, she's either magic or psychic. It doesn't matter. It's psychic. It is. How? Uh, Where's that? In well, again, part of this is from me reading the book. Okay. In the book, it is described that like she has mental energy that's not being expended by going I to mean, school and curing cancer or whatever. Sure. So it's got to come out in some way. Yeah, and, I mean, there is that line yeah. in this. It's basically the same plot as the film Lucy. So <laughs> if you've seen that film, it's, yeah. uh, this is basically you already know exactly what happens because it's basically a shot-for-shot mm-hmm. remake of Matilda. Uh-huh, yeah. Or Carrie. Carrie, yeah. Yeah, as the, the high school drama. Can we get the three version. of them together? Yeah, uh, maybe also Firestarter. That's a little different. That's it's a little different. Pyro- Pyrokinesis, but... But, yeah. Um, yeah, we could throw all them in there together. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Hey, hey, whoever owns, like, all these properties... Oh, I'm sorry, let me just say... Hey, Disney. Because, <laughs> like, I'm... What, it's like a it's like a fifty fifty that I'm right. If you don't have it now, you probably will. Yeah, soon. by the time by the time this <laughs> drops in like three weeks, they will own all these things. That's the movie I want. You're going to be combining a bunch of disparate fucking franchises instead of doing fucking Space Jam two, where mm-hmm. the plot has nothing to do with I think either space or jamming, where the plot is like they're just going to run around the back lot uh, of a of a film you know studio and like look, it's all the characters from the movies we own. <laughs> if you're going to do that kind of shit. You might as well do this. Put all the psychic, uh, the psychic super ladies together and let them—I don't know—fucking fight some crime. Yeah, great. Watch that. Mm-hmm. Matilda, Lucy, Firestarter, Carrie. Yeah, I don't remember the, what the girl's name in Firestarter is. Drew Barrymore. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> but I read the book. Yeah, yeah, I don't remember. And either. I don't remember the name. Yeah. Well, but yeah. If he, if if King wanted us to remember her name, he would have named the book after her. Yeah. Right. I remember Carrie. <laughs> yeah. Carrie White. Remember Christine? Remember that was Christine. a car. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he fucked up and he put the wrong cover sheet on the two books. And the book about the psychic uh, kid that starts fires was going to be called Christine. And then the car was called Firestarter because it's like a hot car. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then cool. he was like, eh, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so uh, psychic. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah. Psychic uh, Matilda is born into this family and uh, eventually gets to go to school. Yeah. And the school is late. run by a little bit late. Yeah. yeah. Um, school is run. It doesn't matter though. Cause yeah. she's super smart. Yeah. Um, her teacher, uh, Ms. Honey, um, says that she'll be ready for college in a few short years. She is like six and a half. Yeah. So 
school's run by a, uh, a very domineering headmistress. Miss Trunchbull. Yeah, oh, they, I was like, they call her something. They just call her the Trunchbull. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, Miss Trunchbull, who is a former Olympic... Uh, shot putter. Shot putter, javelin, hammer throw. Well, yeah. They say that the, every time. The, the, that's oh, okay. The, the, yeah. yeah that's, Track. Yeah. Well, they say shot put, javelin, hammer, hammer throw. throw. Yeah. And that's actually written on the wall of the school. Oh, that's Like there's fun. a plaque. Um, I think she comes from a family who are all good at those things. Mm. Um, and anyway, she's mean. Yeah. And, uh, you know, hates kids, which, so, you know. Good, yeah, good. What, you, what you want in an educator? Yeah, which, I mean, that's the American education system. Um, no, yeah. It's not. I know some very uh, caring teachers, but... I know, but... Eh, I was... The system's broken. Yeah, well, it's that, like... What we need is a Matilda in here to clean out, clean house. I mean, it's the, it's the usual thing that not everybody that does a job uh, particularly wants to or is good at it. Nope. And, you know... Nope, this speaks to the, uh, what has become of the American dream. Yeah, I guess. If tomorrow we made it so that everybody could wake up and choose their job, what their job is, Mm -hmm. they could choose it, anything they want, follow your passion, we would have so many people whose uh, passion would just be, I want to lay by a pool and be a social media influencer and get money for that. I mean, I feel like it is more than I wish there were and less than you think there are. No, right. I think maybe some people who do that would wish they could do something else. But a lot of people who are influenced by that want that job. They want to be that. That's mm-hmm. what the influencing is. That's how that works. Okay. They go, oh, look, I got these new sneakers that, I don't know, they fart perfume out. So your feet always smell like perfume. And they cost eight grand or whatever. And somebody goes, I need those. Mm-hmm. I need those. Oh, my feet. Oh, my feet need a fart perfume. Oh, I need them. And that's what they, that's what they, then they just want that. And it comes in rose gold or whatever. It's all horseshit. Yeah. But that's how influencing works is the people who are influenced want that. They want that position. They want to get the free shoes. They don't have to pay a grand. They want to just get shipped, shipped some shoes that fart perfume. Mm-hmm. That sounds a bit like a roll doll invention. Yeah. Yeah. That could have been in uh, Charlie in the glass elevator. Mm-hmm. Willy Wonka is like, I have these other inventions or shoes that fart perfume. Yeah, they're just sitting in a closet because it didn't have anything to do with chocolate. Yeah, it had nothing to do with the factory, so I just, I made this in my spare time. I tinker. I'm a tinkerer. Yeah. And then he pulls a lever and they go down to, it's like the bat cave, but it's all candy shit. And it turns out he fights crime at night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like a candy Batman. Uh-huh. Well, the candy man can. <laughs> the candy man can. Get justice. <laughs> Gene Wilder and Tony Todd in Candyman v. Candyman. <laughs> Battle of the Candy Men. You're going to have a lot of fun making this graphic, Hunter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course. I'll do one where they fight and one where they kiss. Um. <laughs> one more thing. Oompa Loompa Doompa Dee Doo. I've got a coat of bees for you. <laughs> I was wondering so hard where this was going, and that was great. Thanks. That paid off really good. Well, so the what? The Oompa Loompas work for both of them? <laughs> they team up? I feel like they would be uh, war profiteers, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a war it's, profiteers it's, is the worst way to put it's that. It's their time to shine. I, it, I feel, yeah, they would have like yeah. a Martha moment. Yeah, they'd sit in the back just being in judgment until they could uh, manage to take advantage of the situation. Uh, uh, what's the... Like in the movie. 
I <laughs> Yeah. What's the other um the other candy guy from Willy Wonka? Slugworth? Slugworth. Yeah. Yeah. Like we have to team up to take down Slugworth. The joke doesn't work because I couldn't remember his name. Oh. So I can't surprise you with knowing the name if I didn't know it, so I can't get a laugh, therefore. Moving on. Um, Sorry. Huh? So no, it's not your fault. I couldn't remember. I was my brain was going Snodgrass and going, you know that's not right. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's in there though. And then I would go look again. It was like Snodgrass. And I'm like, dude, we already talked about this. It's not in there. Stop looking in that file. It's not in that file. Snodgrass. No. So that's how my brain works. Yeah. It's a file. It's a filing cabinet. Uh huh. And there's another me in there who knows where everything is, but will not tell me. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I, a hundred percent do that too. Yeah. It's a very um. The dead milkman. There's a little man in my head, uh, yeah. kind of, kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so Matilda is a fundamentally good person. Um, well, no, she is. Yes, she she is a fundamentally good. She is capital G good. She's a good person. She cares about the right thing, doing the right thing, and behaving, being good. You know, like she's perfectly content to go to that school that sucks, where they can only actually learn things and have you know fun and have colorful decorations and projects and things on the walls when the trunchbull is not around yeah which there's this thing established where the trunchbull visits every class one day a week uh, to show the quote-unquote show the teachers how to handle kids so you have miss honey who is super sweet caring you know very nurturing wants everyone to learn you know everybody loves her she's great and the trunchbull comes in and they literally have to like pull down you know covers and things to cover up like all the stuff all the projects they've done because if she sees them she'll you know flip out that they're yeah. that you know the kids aren't actually learning what they need to learn which is i guess that the trunchbull rules or whatever mm-hmm. um o'doyle rules uh, so you know but like matilda's okay with going to that school because it's a school because you know that's all she's wanted until she realizes how like shitty and mean um the trunchbull is and then she's like well we're gonna actually get some revenge and then uh matilda cleans house and there's more to it than that but that's basically the whole thing um that's the plot in in brief yeah well so the real crux comes early in the movie where you know her father's like trying to punish her or whatever and he says when a person is bad that person needs to be punished and this is something that also happens in the book yeah and it makes the distinction he said a person not a child yes so that put a idea in Matilda's head that, you know, d- you deserve comeuppance if you are acting poorly to somebody. Yeah. And that yeah. not just children are uh, punishable. Right. Um, and since she has psychic powers. Yeah. Uh, and is very smart and crafty. She's very capable yeah. of doling that out, which is why I was kind of like with the good. She definitely seems like lawful neutral to lawful good, but it's definitely She's in good. that spectrum. Okay. Yeah. I think some of the stuff she does is kind of mean, although it ends up having the cadence of a prank. It, the, A, it is pranks. Yeah. And B, you know, you got a grade on a curve because it's her father. Well, it's not just her father, but yeah. And I mean, in the book, uh, her mom also gets it a bit too. Oh yeah. Um, But we cut some of those for, I guess, time in the film. Do oh, you have examples like specifically? Yes. Uh, so in the movie, the first thing that she does to like prank her dad is she puts some of her mom's peroxide for to, to yeah, lighten her hair into his into, hair oil. Yeah, he has uh, oil of violets or whatever. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. His whole thing is uh, he's a used car salesman. Danny DeVito is her father. Uh, he's a used car salesman. He's a crook. 
that's what initially um yeah we're, that, ta- that's we're talking the... dialing back speedometers and putting uh right, right. sawdust in the uh engine block and all this kind of to stuff. quiet the gears all that sort of stuff um gluing on bumpers rather than welding and she's going you know shouldn't you be you know isn't that unsafe he's like yeah but not for me <laughs> yeah you know all that sort of stuff um but what happens is he comes home from work and he tells uh you know michael because obviously like the son is going to take over the job at some point and he's like michael he's like your father sold four cars today or whatever it is he's like the first car cost me 320 dollars and i sold it for 1158 dollars and he goes like that second one's 512 dollars cost it, uh he sold it for 2269 dollars Third car cost him $68, and he sold it for $999. And the fourth car cost him $1,100, and he sold it for $7,839. And, um, you know, he's like, what was my profit for the day? And Michael's like, oh, like scribbling frantically trying to do the math. And Matilda just says, $10,265. Yeah. And he goes, you little cheat, you saw the paper. You know, because he has all his, like, sales sheets in his hand. And she doesn't argue with him. And he goes, yeah, you know. she's just like, how could I? I'm over here. Yeah, she's like, I'm she's all the way the, across the room. Yeah, she's on the other side of the room eating cereal. Yeah, and he's like, he's like, well, when a person is bad, they get punished. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, yeah, first thing yeah. she does is put the peroxide yeah. in his hair oil, which is part of his, uh, uh like, you know, getting Michael, like, mm-hmm. you know, he's like, you know, people buy, they buy the salesman, not the car. So he's right. like, that's why I always dress well, which aside, Dane DeVito in this looks so fucking good. Yeah. All his suits are great. Yeah. Uh, I think his look is good. He's got kind of a John Waters mustache. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. A little bit, it's great. It's a little it's, thicker than it is. Uh, John Yeah, John does, Waters is yeah. legitimately pencil thin. Yeah. Um, And that is also great. But, like, it's a very, like, thin mustache kind of. Yeah. It's, it's such a good look. It's such yeah. a good, like, Jersey car salesman look. It's yeah. great. But, yeah, his um, clothes are all super good. So, in the book, she also puts some of his hair dye or something in with her mom's oh fucks up her hair too and so it's her i i remember this very vividly because it's i i don't know i just i liked the imagery but so her mom's hair is described as uh like a tightrope walker's tights at the circus that's all like you know blonde and sparkling and then when she puts the hair oil in or, or whatever or the hair dye in with her mom's dye and her mom uses it the tights look like as if they were worn for the whole season without being washed <laughs> just dingy and, and everything that's funny yeah and i and i i mean again that's it's a paraphrase but like i remember that very clearly uh yeah. from reading the book yeah yeah um the second uh prank is as you said uh, at the garage when he reveals all his like underhanded you know tricks to selling a car like the, the bumper and the sawdust and the two-way drill that dials down the odometer. Mm-hmm. She puts glue in his hat, super, super, super glue, which is what he uses to attach the bumper to the car. Mm-hmm. And uh, they go out to dinner because uh, her mom, Rhea Perlman, mm-hmm. who is great in this. Yeah. I, I think Dan DeVito is also very good, but he's kind of doing like, he's he's in the pocket for Dan DeVito. Yeah. It's not anything like you never saw him do before. Mm-hmm. Rhea Perlman kind of dials up like that um, Carla from Cheers, yeah. kind of like Jersey... The Jersey housewife. Yeah, although like, I also feel like she like gets breathier here, and she's kind of playing an airhead a little bit. Yeah, not yeah. she's not dumb, but she's kind of playing like she, literally at one point. Um, 
uh, Miss Honey comes to their house to to you know be like, hey, Matilda's a very special child, and yeah. this is the in a few years she'll be ready for college. And all she three does a whole of, thing of I chose looks and you chose books. You chose books, and here I am married to a handsome, successful man, and he's like, and she's like, what are you, an educator? Yeah, you know whatever. And um, but I like when she's like, yeah, in a few few short years she will be ready for college, and like she's reading books that I didn't just you know encounter until my second year of college, and they all go, oh, college. Yeah. So that gives you an idea. Mm-hmm. But her performance is really funny. Um, and her, her shtick is that Michael goes to school. The dad goes to the car dealership. And mom goes, mom to, bingo. goes to bingo. So uh, she pulls up um, at the garage when, you know, now, unbeknownst to him, his hat is full of glue. And she goes, I want a double bingo. We're all going out to eat at a fancy restaurant. And he goes, oh, and she goes, get your hat. Because now his hair is blonde on top and he looks, you know, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, get your hat. And he puts it on, and then when he gets to the restaurant, he can't get it off. And it's really funny. I also like how, like, in that scene, he keeps asking her how much she won, and she won't tell him. Yeah, and yeah. It's for me to it's... know and you to find out. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's just very clear where their priorities are. And it's a little thing, but, like, yeah. you know, no, there's a good. lot of, yeah, that kind of stuff in here. And, you know, they were, they were uh, you know, in a relationship at the time. I don't remember. I don't know their marriage history if they were married at this point or if they were just dating or whatever but um so they play really really well off each other yes which is you know great for this kind of dynamic yeah but yes uh sh- sh- so she's into pranks um but matilda, i think she yeah. matilda yeah she's into pranks uh justice pranks aside has anybody seen commercials for that show big trick energy oh god <laughs> i if you what have a bad name for a show. <laughs> no, I think it's the perfect name for that show. Oh, boy. That lets me know immediately I never have to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like four magicians who go around fooling people, and that's the shtick. And, like, you know, if that's your thing, I'm sure it's it's fine. Like, if, if that's the kind of thing you're into, then sure. And I like magic, but I have no desire to watch this thing. <laughs> It's just, it seems like four bro-y magicians, which is the weirdest. I know it's a thing because, like, Vegas exists. Mm -hmm. So, like, what's in Vegas? Bros and magicians. (laughs) You know, not just, but those two. Sometimes they cross-pollinate. Yeah, those two things are there a lot. So, yeah, you're going to get some. Some bro-y magicians. It's just such a dumb, I don't know. It's like when I found out that uh, David Blaine was part of uh, DiCaprio's Pussy Posse. Yeah. And I was just like, all that's bad and wrong. Well, David fucking Blaine. Did you see the yeah. video of uh, Harrison Ford? No, I mean I've seen it, but I haven't watched it. David Blaine goes like is at Harrison Ford's yeah. house, and he does a trick where he's like pick a card, shuffle the deck, whatever. He's like continue to shuffle. He hands the deck to to Harrison Ford, and he's like continue shuffling it. And Harrison Ford's like you know shuffling the deck, and he goes, "Your card has just vanished from the deck." And he's like, "You can now tell me what your card is." And he goes, "It's like nine of diamonds or whatever." And he goes, look for it, look for the, and he, like, he's looking through the cards and he doesn't see it. And he goes, why don't you pick a piece of fruit up off the table? And David Blaine hasn't gone anywhere near the table in this video. Mm-hmm. And Harrison Ford picks up like an orange or something and starts to open it and the card's in it. Yeah. And he unfolds it and he like, he does that like Harrison Ford reaction, which is great. He just kind of seems like, holy shit. And he goes, get the fuck out of my house. <laughs> 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 which is like how all of us would react if David Blaine showed up. Yeah, but we wouldn't let him do a trick first. No, no, I would do it in reverse order, like Tenet. <laughs> the entropy of that interaction would be reversed, where he shows up and then I immediately go, get the fuck out of my house. <laughs> That's a Tenet reference for y'all. Yeah. Here's my quick review of Tenet, ready? It's Doctor Who for bros. Yeah. Thanks. Any... Looks good, though. Yeah. 
Oh, it looks very good. Looks good, but I did not at all engage with it. Mm-hmm. Looks very good, and I did appreciate some of the choreography. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's good stuff in it. Yeah. It's too long. It's too long. <laughs> the, the, the performances are not there. Okay, here's here's one thing that I will 100% give that movie. They allowed Elizabeth Debicki to be tall. Yeah. Do you know why, I think? Because you know who her husband was? Kenneth Branagh. You know who's somebody who's 100% not going to get intimidated by a tall woman? Kenneth Kef fucking Branagh. Branagh. That dude's just like, eh, I'm doing a fucking, you know, Boris and Natasha accent through this whole movie. Think I care how tall my wife is? Let her be tall, goddammit. Mm-hmm. Kenneth Branagh is a man who's comfortable in his masculinity. Yeah. <laughs> They're not going to have to put him on apple crates. <laughs> He's just talking, oh, oh, I have the plutonium, travel back in time, reverse the polarity, whatever. That's his whole fucking performance. It's great. Mm-hmm. So yeah, props to uh, Kenneth Branagh and the production team of Tenet for letting Elizabeth Debicki just have all those legs that she has. I kind of hate that we map uh, masculinity and height together. We don't. Well, as a society. Societa? Yeah. Yeah, society's flawed. I, I don't know. know if you've caught on. Let everybody just be themselves, goddammit. Yeah, I mean, That's... it originally started with like hollywood shit yeah of being like oh people react better to tall broad-shouldered men and so we'll make them you know all the actors look taller you know that kind of thing it's basically what vince mcmahon does now where he's like i don't care that you're a good wrestler you're a big old slab of beef uh so i'm gonna make you the next guy and it's like well is but are they like the best wrestler or and he's like i don't know (laughs) just look at him oh he looks like a buick and a leotard (laughs) you know uh, that's what he likes. Yep. And, you know, but, like, by now, we should have moved on from this. Like, Tom Cruise, not a tall man, literally, like, the most profitable film star maybe ever. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't mean, like, now he might be ever. Like, he definitely is now, but he might be, for all time, the most profitable film star. Yeah. Um, And, like, not a tall man. So, like, why are we still obsessed with the height thing? You know, like... Yeah. Just be like, look, Tom Cruise can do it. Like, let's relax. Anyway. That is, I think I've mentioned this in the podcast. I mean, before. that's my that, favorite. He's got the space magic on her. Yeah, it's that, it comes from that center tooth. <laughs> um. Oh boy. Uh, my favorite thing about, and I would never, you know, wish divorce upon anybody. I'm sure that's horrible, and I don't, you know. But my favorite thing about their his divorce from um, 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 Nicole Kidman was when they were like, you oh. know, you're starting your life over, whatever, you know. What do you look forward to? And she's like, being able to wear heels. Yeah. <laughs> Good for you, Nicole. Um, yeah, I don't know. What do you want to talk about in this, you know, specifically moments, characters, things? Um, um, okay, I would like to throw out, I love the alarm clock uh, at the Wormwood house. The, oh. the family's name is Wormwood. Their alarm clock uh, has dice all around the outside. It's very, you know, Atlantic City. Uh, and I just love it. It's such a weird, mm-hmm. it's a weird detail. It's not important, but I, I, I love it. It's great. Yeah, the whole uh, house, actually a lot of like the sets and costuming and everything here is really good because it, it creates, like, a very fleshed-out world. Yeah. It kind of has, um, and this is, a, I say this as a credit to, you know, Dane DeVito and the production team. It kind of has, like, um, the early really good Tim Burton vibes to it. It's not quite sure. as heightened, but it's not that far off. Yeah. Um, a, it's that sort of era yeah. that he tends to go to, like, I mean, you know, 
the the movie itself is not set in a specific time. Right. Um, but like, you know, the cars on the car lot are kind of 50s, 60s cars. Yeah. The clothes, the layout of the house. They're watching a boxing match on like an uh, on a TV, you know, that kind of stuff. Like it's all very like 60s, early 60s, you yeah. know. And yeah, but the production design of everything really works. There, there's a great detail I love. Um, at the school, they have like the old PA system, like with the speaker. Oh yeah. And they put like a I don't know if it's somebody behind it or they put an air bladder in it, but like the speaker like bulges out and goes back in in time to them speaking, like you would see in a cartoon. Yeah. It's such a, such a good fun detail yeah. that a hundred percent has to be Devito, just being and... like, oh, let's make it fun. This is based on a kid's book. Mm-hmm. You know, like, let's make it just a hair unrealistic. Yeah. And that's a great, a very fine line to walk that I think he walks really well in this. Yeah. Because it lets all the other stuff work. Because there's, like, children in danger, technically. And if it was too realistic, that would be kind of a bummer. Yeah. You know, like, again, like, adding a a child in peril, even in a cartoon thing where there's adults. Um, If it's all kids, then... The, the concept of adults falls away, you know, like you don't really think about them. But if you're in a world where children and adults are interacting and the adults like the Trunchbull are the ones putting the kids in, in any kind of danger, whether it's like death or just injury or whatever, there's a certain heaviness that just is inherent because we as society generally don't like to see innocent children get injured. Um, so, you know, that's, that's always a part of it. And by making things a little bit heightened, it lets that play a little bit less heavy. Right. You know, the Trunchbull literally grabs a girl by her pigtails, swings her around, uh, and tosses her. And at one point, all the kids are like, do you think she'll clear the fence? And then we get a shot of the fence and it's covered in like pointy wrought iron. Yeah. And you're just like, oh shit, is this girl going to get fucking impaled? But of course she doesn't. And then she slides on her butt through a whole field of flowers. And then when she gets up, she gives the flowers to Miss Honey. It's great. It's very fun. And and it comes off with like a feather light touch. I don't know if you noticed, but there's like a cut to Matilda. So there's sort of an implication that she helped her over the fence. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't sure about that. Yeah. Um, I know later on, the Trunchbull throws a kid out the window and um, he fucking just flies around yeah. like Superman, basically, and yeah. then flies back in the window. And that's 100% Matilda. Yeah, Matilda flies him around like an airplane because she's finally got better control of her powers. But, that you know. that kid, uh, he goes from in immediate danger <laughs> to wee like so yeah. fast. <laughs> yep. It's very funny. Um, and they mentioned when, when Matilda, her first day at school, which I love the way uh, the first day of school is shot because, like, all the kids are gathered in the courtyard outside the school um, before, you know, they can come in. And it looks like fucking Shawshank. <laughs> like, it's so dusty. <laughs> like, there's just clouds of dust blowing around, which I don't know if that was, like, a production concept or if it just was windy that day and it was just, like, a dirty lot. You know, like. Yeah. It could be either one, that's but the thing I is when you don't have grass and stuff like that's that's yeah, how yeah. you got the dust bowl, right? No, know? but I just mean like I don't know if that was yeah. like if Dane DeVito was like ah oh, you know let's blow a bunch of dust around that'll be fun like because it's it looks great because yeah. it just looks so shitty and miserable <laughs> and all these kids are still kind of like jazzed to be at school like they're like okay line up yeah and then the Trunchbull comes out and she's mean so Matilda and she makes two friends um, Lavender and Hortensia and you know Lavender and Matilda hide in like. A, a, a cranny in the wall mm-hmm. and Hortensia is like you better get out of there because she takes her little fucking javelin no it's a bullwhip oh it's her it's her riding crop or, thing yeah, yeah. not bullwhip sorry a riding crop yeah yeah that's right she takes her riding crop and she just like pokes around to see if there's kids hiding in there and Hortensia tells them like yeah she threw a kid out the window last week mm-hmm. and she's like you know is he okay and she goes 
Well, he survived, if that's what you mean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, she was after being thrown out a window? He survived, if that's what you mean. Do you remember what the school's name is? Uh, no, I actually tried to get a photo, not a photo of it, but mm-hmm. I tried to like take a note and I couldn't read it. It's Truncheon Hall. Truncheon Hall, okay. Yeah, like the uh, like a nightstick. Yeah, 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 yeah okay. That yeah, makes sense. So still very, yeah, brutalist and, you know. Yeah, um, what is your uh, Roll Doll, but... uh, we talked about this a little bit off mic, but what is your Roll Doll history? So I read several Roll Doll books. I do not remember exactly which ones. And then, like, there were definitely times where, like, I read, like, because a lot of them were movies. So sometimes I read the book and saw the movie. Sure. Sometimes I just saw the movie. Sometimes I just read the book, you know. Yeah. Um, but I definitely read Matilda. Uh, I definitely read both Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and Charlie and the Glass, Glass Elevator. Elevator. I think I read James and the... No, I definitely read James and the Giant Peach. I think I read the BFG... I think I read the Twits. I don't think I... Re- no, maybe I read the Witches. I don't remember. So um, my thing is that um, for a long time in my head, I got, like as a kid, mm-hmm. uh, I got um, Roald Dahl and Dr. Seuss conflated. Oh, okay. Um, where, like, you know, if, if it just showed me a thing, I'd be like, oh, it's 100% Dr. Seuss because of the art style. Yeah. But if you were to be like, oh, who wrote this thing? Mm. I'd be like, like, I couldn't tell you. Huh. Um, so a lot of them I'm like, oh, like James and Giant Peach, for the longest time I was convinced that was a, a, a Dr. Seuss. Oh, okay. Um, as like a kid. And then I, I read it and whatever. So yeah, I did um, both the uh, Charlie's and I did uh, James and Giant Peach, I believe. That's like, I'm pretty sure I read it. It was yeah. at my school library, but I... I think I would have read it, but I can't yeah, there's remember. There's one where they're there's a part where they're in the clouds and they see cloud people fighting, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but, I, that, but that and that's not in the movie, so I definitely no, think I read but that. No, that's book. a thing that I might have read on like, you know, a website. Oh no, I I definitely think I read that. Read that. Oh, I'm just saying, like, I know yeah. that, but I couldn't. T- I don't. I don't have any. Like, my memory doesn't have any feeling of me reading. You know, like that. Yeah. Sure. Um. The witches, I'm pretty sure I read, but I don't. Yeah, that, know, but that I, one I'm iffy about. I think I may maybe just saw the movie. Yeah, but, I definitely seen yeah. the movie. Um, I read it. I know I read it, but I have no recollection of it. Yeah. Um, which might be that it's just very like in my head. I was just seeing the movie because mm-hmm. if that happens, then I don't. You know, like I just kind of don't form new memories. Sort of, it's just like, oh yeah, I know this because it's the movie. Um, that's why I've read the first uh Game of Thrones book. Uh, but I have, like, no memory of it because it was just stuff I knew from having watched the first, like, three seasons of the show at that point. I know I read it because I have a photo of it uh, that I posted online. Look, look, I finished this giant book. But, yeah, no, no memory. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also have The Gremlins. Which, that was one of his earliest, I think. So, what that was, because uh, he was, uh, Roald Dahl, was a, um, uh, he was in the Air Force. Yes. Um, and, you know, there's that. That, that urban legend kind of thing of like if something went wrong with your engine it was the gremlins did it which mm-hmm. is where the twilight zone um you know nightmare at twenty thousand feet or whatever it is and where gremlins the joe dante uh movie where those concepts came from and that was just a thing that that pilots would say you know like uh the gremlins must have gotten in my engine you know kind of thing and Roald Dahl is kind of people, you know, credit him as like having popularized that as a concept, Mm -hmm. but he um, storyboarded basically a whole story for Disney and it was going to be a Disney film about gremlins. Yep. 
and then it never materialized. Um, but Disney owned, you know, the storyboards and the drawings and stuff for a long time. Okay. Um, and then, I don't know, maybe 10 or 15 years ago, they released it as essentially a graphic novel. It's a cross between a graphic novel and like a picture book because mm-hmm. it had his drawings and maybe some other drawings and then like his, you know, words, his story. Um, and that was pretty cool. I yeah. really liked that. Yeah. And that's the like little green, you know, men goblins with like aviator helmets and goggles on, like kind of fun stuff. Anyway, so that's my role doll. Uh, he just, you know, he did a lot. Uh, he wrote a lot of books um apparently he also uh co-wrote the screenplay for chi chi bang bang oh yeah which i didn't realize i could see that 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 feels uh charlie and the chocolate factory adjacent yeah but yeah that was something i uh they could exist in a shared universe yeah sure forgot about bfg i never saw that oh did they make a movie Mm -hmm. spielberg did it i think I did not see the movie. I might have read the book. I'm not sure. To be to be clear, uh, big friendly giant, not big fucking gun. Yeah. Um, also, what's what's funny is that like I think most of the role doll I read was illustrated by Quentin Blake, who okay. is like the the illustrator very frequently associated with role doll. Sure. He does like very like pointy noses and stuff, and like little sketchy hair kind of. Okay. Um and. It's funny because like the the uh, illustrations for Matilda in the book are very different than how things are depicted in the movie, just oh, yeah. in in terms sure. of like the physicality of these characters and stuff. But it still works as its own thing. Sure, because who gives so. a shit? Like, yeah, unless it's important to the plot that like, yeah, mom was very tall and dad right. had you know red yeah. hair. Like, unless those things are important, then like, yeah, who cares? I mean, I find it charming sometimes when things try to echo back to the the images associated with the work. But yeah, I don't think it's mandatory. You know, no, I think it depends on what the what your goal is. Yeah. Um, and, like, yeah, if you were casting for, like, somebody's parents, um, you know, in something, and, like, there was an illustration, if their only function is, like, oh, they're only in this one illustration, but they look like this, you know, mm-hmm. you know, then you could be like, oh, well, we could cast two, it's like stunt casting, like, you just find two people that have a very specific look, and then yeah. you never have to see them again. Sure. Um, but, yeah, I, again, I'm not familiar with Matilda, never read it, but uh, mm-hmm. I like, I really like the casting in this. Yep. Speaking of... Can you look up uh, the Trunchbull? Oh, yeah. Um, because I was watching this, and, uh, you know, I, I, I'd never seen this. That was the other thing. Um, yes, uh, this was Hunter's first time watch. Yeah, I mean, maybe I, I saw a few minutes of it on TV here or there. I was, like, aware of it because a bunch of my friends, you know, loved it. Um, but I'd never seen it. And watching it, I was going, man, this Trunchbull performance is fucking great. And I was 100% convinced that I was going to get to the end credits, and it was going to be, you know... Like, somebody who I know now in an early role, like, in a bunch of, you know, makeup or prosthetics or something, you know. Uh, it's Pam Ferris. Yeah, well, that's the thing is, afterwards, I was like, oh, I don't recognize that name. Let me look her up. She's been in a bunch of stuff that yeah. I've seen. I, You know, she's not anybody I would have picked out, but um, she's the, I think she's the aunt in Harry Potter. Yes. <laughs> in the Harry Potter films, mm-hmm. which I was like, hell yeah, get that money, Pam. I mean, she's still working. Yeah. Um She's got a role in the Tolkien movie that came oh, out a few years ago. To- just Tolkien. called Tolkien, yeah. yeah. And Isn't that the guy um, what's Nicholas Holt plays. She Tolkien? plays Queen Victoria in the Holmes and Watson. Uh, the Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. Right. Which uh, I forgot 
and now I forgot existed. Yeah, and now I don't, and yeah, and I don't know why we haven't watched it yet because yeah. it's probably ridiculous. I'm sure it's um, not great, but it's probably a fun. But time. yeah, she she works a lot. Yeah, great, good for so, her. This is know, a great performance. There's a lot of it's... like British television and stuff like that. Oh know? sure, yeah, she's yeah. a British, uh, yeah. yeah, British actress. So yeah, yeah. I think, that's I think I saw that she was on Luther. Oh no, she was on Luther. You're right. Oh okay. For three episodes. Which I definitely watched Luther and have no, you know, no idea who she would be. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. But this is a great performance. Yeah. I think because it's like a hundred percent fearless. Yeah. Like, you know, well, she's fearless, but she's terrifying. Well, yeah. <laughs> there is a lot of fear not from her. You no, know, I just mean like you know she's not afraid in the movie to be like I you know not just unattractive because like she's made up to look you know like very stern and you know whatever but like there's shots of her like just cramming candy in her mouth with a bunch of like caramel on her teeth and like it's very gross and like it you know that's not a thing that all actors would feel comfortable doing yeah you know um i think it's like it's but it's really fun it's also very big but not over the top like she's not screaming the whole time you know she's very like she's always on like a nine yeah well that's the thing is i think she understands that being menacing doesn't always involve being loud and oftentimes shouldn't yeah it's the quietness and the stillness it's waiting sometimes. right when when yeah. they're gonna snap it's yeah, the shark it, and jaws it's, yeah you know. it builds anticipation yeah, yeah and like and it's great it's a really yep. good performance because yeah like Absolutely. when she's just i mean also dane devito shoots her mostly from very low yeah so, so she she's, looks huge and looming yep. and imposed like it's mm-hmm. so smart super well directed yep um but yeah when she's just in their classroom you know, as she's coming down the hall, Miss Honey's like, okay, well, the last time this happened, some of you forgot yourselves. Remember not to speak until you're spoken to. You know, don't do this. Don't do that. Don't even breathe loudly. And she comes in and she goes, don't even breathe at all. And I'm just <laughs> like, oh, so good. Yeah. Um, this movie's super quotable, by the way. Yeah. Um, I talked to uh, our, our mutual friend, uh, co-worker, Nicole. Hi, Nicole. Uh-huh. Hi, Nicole. And also, hi, Nicole. Hi, Because uh, you're probably listening together. Um, they're both former guests, by the way, for yeah. listeners. Yeah, um, from, and Smalls uh, uh, also had not seen it until recently. Okay. So, hi, Smalls. We're in the same club. But yeah, I was going to say, uh, they were both on Hubie Halloween and uh, Scott, Pilgrim Scott Pilgrim versus the world. And then uh, Nicole Smalls uh, was, on Vibrations. was on Vibrations. Yep. Yep. Uh, so, check our back catalog. But the thing that, they, that Nicole told me was one of their favorite things was... Um, like, immediately after Matilda um, is in her first class, the first day, with Miss Honey, um, and she's answering questions, like, off the top of her head that are, like, crazy big. Because um, they're, they're learning the two times tables. Yeah. And so she's like, you know, all right, uh, let's all do them together. And she's like, you know, two times seven is, and the, all the class goes, 14. 14. And then she's like, mm, two times five, and like, 10. Yeah. And she goes, you know very good you've all been practicing and she sits down she's like someday you know you'll be able to do you know even such high numbers as two times eight they're like 16 and she goes or maybe even two times you know or like it's not two it's uh did i write this one down i don't know yes uh she might even be able to do 13 times 379 Mm -hmm. and matilda's like 4920 because she realized she's not she realized she's the only one answering yeah and um Miss Honey's like, what was that? And she goes, 13 times 370, times 379, And Miss Honey, like, takes out her pen and, like, checks her, you know, checks the math. And she goes, I'll be right back. And she goes down the hall immediately, talks to the Trunchbull. And 
she's like Matilda's a very special child um and she's like I think she would do better in you know an accelerated learning program or however she phrases it and mm-hmm. Trunchbull's like oh I see you're trying to foist her off on some other teacher she's like yeah. no I think she's a you know fantastic student she can add huge sums in her head and uh, this is the line that Nicole mm-hmm. liked um the Trunchbull goes so can a calculator yeah <laughs> it's so good she's so mean <laughs> um I we didn't mention this but the reason Matilda is now going to school is that Trunchbull came to the car lot and bought a car from Matilda's father and you know was was mentioning that she's uh the principal or the headmistress or whatever of the school and her father's like oh well I have a daughter and she's a little you know brat and you know the, she all goes stuff. they all are yeah this is great so the yep. whole that whole scene is shot in silhouette from inside his office mm-hmm. it's great it's super good. The yeah. direction's so fun in this movie. I can't honestly cannot state it enough. There's well, so much fun in it. Also, you're really getting the height differential. Oh yeah. To uh, which I mean, like it's probably exaggerated, but yeah. Sure. Yeah, but she's like looming over him. Oh and, yeah. But yeah. um, he goes, you know, she's a little uh, little brat or whatever. Uh, oh no, she goes, use the rod, beat the child. That's my motto. Yeah. Which is great. And she goes, do you have brats of your own? And he goes, yeah, I have one son, Michael. And then one mistake, Matilda. And she goes, they're all mistakes, children. Filthy, nasty things. Glad I never was one. Yeah. It's such a good line. Yeah. That, that line is so great. <laughs> I believe that comes from the source material. It feels like yeah. it. Yeah. Um, a lot of, like, I mean, that was what I was going to say when we start talking about Roald Dahl. He's mm-hmm. so good at yeah. names and yes. language. Mm-hmm. Like... You know, which is like, he's a writer, Hunter. He's an author. That's yeah. what they do. It's like, yeah, and, but not everybody does it like this. Some yeah. people are Clive Cussler. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, But he's a British writer, Hunter. Yeah, yeah, they do love words there. I know. I should go there. Yeah. Also, my teeth would be normal. <laughs> They'd be like, look how good <gasps> his teeth are. Oh, he's got God. most of them. <laughs> I know. I got bad teeth. That's what I'm, what I'm getting at. If I had that middle tooth, man, I'd have all that alien energy. Damn. Yeah, well... <sighs> Okay, so, we can't all be so Tom Cruise. Yep. Uh, one of my notes is the kid that got thrown out of the class, uh, thrown out of the window before Matilda was there. The story that um, Hortensia is telling Matilda. Uh, he got thrown out of the window for eating two M&Ms while Trunchbull was in the class. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know why that's very funny to me. Where she's like, what? M&Ms? No. And throws him out of the window. That's fucking great. The shot is great too because it's like, her stalking up and down the, the 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 rows of desks, and it's very close to the kid, and he pops a red and a blue M M&M and M into his mouth, and then she just like grabs his mouth, squeezes his you know cheeks in like a pucker, and then he spits the two M and M's like directly into the camera lens. Mm-hmm. It's really funny. Shouldn't take the red and the blue one together. Who knows where you'll end up? Tall oh, boy. Just saying. That kid was Neo. And then uh, Joe Pants, because they were in New Jersey. Joe Pants showed up and he's like, don't you wish you would have eaten the red (laughs) M&M? I wish there was like a little CGI de-aged Joe Pants child in this movie. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's weird. For those not not in the know, Joey Pants is Joe Pantoliano, a famed uh, New Jersey actor and all around, apparently, very cool guy. Mm -hmm. Really, really good, good, nice dude, Mm -hmm. which is great. Didn't you meet him the once? I did briefly. I don't know if I've told this on the air. I did briefly meet him. Uh-huh. It was at like a party thing. So, and um, it was after the Matrix was out. And that's what a lot of people cipher in the Matrix. A lot of people know him from that. 
And it was after that, which I had seen, but I was also in my getting high in my best friend's basement stage, and we would just kind of watch dumb movies. So we watched Baby's Day Out, which he is also in. So, you know, I forget how exactly I looked, but like probably like a black t-shirt with a comic book thing on it, or maybe a band. Um, definitely like torn jeans, probably a flannel shirt, basically the way I look most of the time. And like long, you know, hair kind of or colored hair yep, or something. You grew up in the 90s and never left. Yes, the 90s, uh, I'm keeping them alive. Yeah, people just looped back around to where you were the whole time. So I went up to him and was like, oh, hey, you know, I'm a big fan of your work. I just watched you in, and it took me a second to remember the title of the movie, Babes Day Out. And I 100% from his reaction know he expected me to say The Matrix based on like how I look and my age and stuff. And I was like, baby's day out. And he goes, <laughs> baby's day out. <laughs> the way he said it, like, will never leave my brain. <laughs> so funny. You could just tell it was the last thing he expected me to say. Uh, Mr. Pantoliano, if you'd like to come on the show. Please do. We can talk about any movie. It could be baby's day out. <laughs> uh-huh. If you want. Yeah. Does not have to be. Right. Um, let's see. Oh, you know what I love? Speaking of Miss Honey. Miss Honey is uh, played by M. Beth Davids. Really good in this. Yeah. She's very sweet. She's, like, super duper sweet. Yeah. Um, this, the, the scene where... And this is going to sound weird. It's going to sound weird. I'm not I'm not taking it to a weird place. But, like, she's talking to, to Matilda. Uh, it's in the class. Uh, it's, you know... It's right before she goes down the hall to talk to Trunchbull about Matilda doing accelerated education. And she's, like... Because she's wowed by, you know, that she can do these big sums in her head. And she's like, you know, do you like to read? And, you know, Matilda says, yes. And she goes, you know, what do you like to read? And she goes, everything. And it's so quiet. Yeah. And it's so, like, intimate. Yeah. It's it's shot super well. It's shot like a romance. Yeah. It's yeah. shot like a love scene. Not a love scene. But it's shot like a two characters falling in love, you know, scene. Because it is it's very intimate, even though they're like... I don't know, 10 feet away from each other in a classroom full of kids, but, like, it's just one shot. So one shot of her, one shot of Matilda. And that's what I was going to say. It is like they are falling in love, except it's, it's a, you know, as we'll find out at the end of the film, you know, Miss Honey, uh, you know, w- grew up largely without parents. Uh, both her parents were deceased by the time she was five. She was raised by her horrible aunt who, middle of the film spoilers, is the Trunchbull you know, who was a jerk to children, so growing up with her must have been super duper fun. But she's moved on. She moved out of her family's house, which the Trunchbull now, like, inhabits like a, you know, monster in a mansion. She found a small cottage, which she says she pays uh, the local whatever farmer $50 a month to rent. Mm-hmm. Um, and she planted wildflowers and blah, 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 blah. It's all very cute. And she's like, you know, and now she's making her own life, you know, and whatever. It's, it's very sweet. But she, she grew up without a fam- a proper family, you know, or, or, or love, you know, because the Trunchbull sucks. Um, and Matilda, obviously, her parents don't really care about her or, you know, I mean, it's not that they care about Michael either. They don't care about children. Children are just a thing that happens. Um, so neither of them has, like, you know, a loving, uh, you know, parent-child relationship. So at the end of the film... Miss Honey adopts Matilda, uh, and Matilda just, like, pulls the adoption papers out. She says, I have the adoption papers right here. Yeah. And um, Rhea Perlman's like, where did you get those? And she's like, I've had them since I was big enough to Xerox. Yeah. Which is, which is so fucking good. Um, and this is my favorite part of Rhea Perlman's whole performance, because it's super 
like human. Mm-hmm. You know, she not superhuman. It's it's extremely human. Yeah. Um. She goes like, Matilda, you're my only daughter, and I never understood you not once. Yeah. I was like, yeah, it's such a good line. And then you know, Dane DeVito like looks at her, and she looks at Dane DeVito, and he goes, all right. And my favorite detail is he makes he makes Matilda turn around so he can sign the paper on her back because he's a used car salesman. It's a very like Jersey car salesman like thing to do. Sign the contract on somebody's back. Mm-hmm. I love that as a detail. Mm-hmm. That was the first thing I was watching. Is going like, oh, if I had kids, I would find excuses to sign so many things. Oh boy, turn around. It'd be so fun. <laughs> but uh, you know, so yeah, it's very like it's that that scene of the two of them like, you know beginning to care about each other is is super intimate and and it's super well shot and i like i really don't think anybody else would shoot it that way yeah no i mean i think you're absolutely right and i didn't really have that read but like you know because like yeah and at the movie they end up together yeah so putting in a little bit of legwork not so much even just with the plot as with those kinds of moments is really important yeah yeah and like I mean, the big issue here is that we, as a society, you know, we use the term love yeah, I mean, as a euphemism. Love. Right, right. Like, right. you know, as a blanket statement, whereas, like, there's all different kinds, you know, yeah. platonic love and, you know, familial love and romantic love, and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, like, that's very much like the two of them falling in love with one another. Yeah. That's great. Um, so, yeah, that was a great, that, that that's one of my favorite scenes, I think. So, let's talk about Mara Wilson. Child actress. Yeah. Um does some stuff now but like was in some big movies in pretty prominent roles like the miracle on 34th street remake and yeah. uh she was uh one of the kids on uh, mrs doubtfire yeah and this she had a really good um early run um so i was just looking at her imdb because i wanted to see like so yeah mrs doubtfire in 1993 along with a five episode arc on melrose place oh i didn't know that one uh okay. tv movie Never heard of it. Um, called A Time to Heal. Don't know. Huh. Then Miracle on 34th Street in 94. Matilda in 96. Um, Rhea Perlman sitcom Pearl. Oh. Was, she was one episode. Um, which, by the look of this photo, also had... Because uh, that looks like Malcolm McDowell. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is Malcolm McDowell. Everybody oh, in this boy. is somebody. The the six the six like top build, Rhea Perlman, Carol Kane, Kevin Corrigan, Dash Myhawk, Lucy Liu, Malcolm McDowell. Unbelievable. The plot is Pearl Caraldo, Rhea Perlman, is a mature woman from modest upbringings, which is hyphenated for some reason. Uh, when she realizes she missed out on a lot, she decides to go back to college in spite of her grown son's protests. She makes a bunch of new but weird friends and is constantly in conflict with her snob philosophy professor. I bet that's McDowell. It's gotta be. Yeah, that's great. Doesn't he also do that on Community? Community, yeah. <laughs> Except he's a history professor, Uh, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Like, well, if I'm going to be on American television, I suppose I'll be a jerk. Oh, boy. <laughs> Good call, sir. Because um, he's, yeah. he's great at it. Yep. So, yeah, she's in one episode of that. Uh, a Simple Wish, do you know this? In 1997, a bumbling fairy godfather tries to grant a girl's wish that her cabbie father lands a Broadway role. No. What? I know this title. I had no idea that was the plot. Um, That's so weird. And it, it stars uh, Robert Pastorelli, Ruby D, Francis Capra. Uh, like, this is a good uh, good cast as well. Myra Wilson, Amanda Plummer. That's wild. Okay. Yeah, then she did some... 
She's credited two different things as Willow Johnson. One is the, A Wonderful World of Disney, and then one is, I guess the movie is called Balloon Farm. But I'm wondering if Balloon Farm is the, like, Wonderful World of Disney was like a time slot. Yeah. And they would air whatever. So maybe Balloon Farm was what they aired in that episode. Sure. You know, so that's why it's the same credit. Um, that was 99. And then she mostly did uh, voice stuff after that. Batman which is, Beyond. Which is what you want, really. You love a Batman Beyond. I do love a Batman Beyond. Um, oh, she was Jill Pill on BoJack. Yes. That's cool. Yeah, I didn't realize I that. that. Mm-hmm. She does a voice in the Big Hero 6 TV series. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, she works. I, I mostly know her nowadays from taking very little shit on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Which is good for mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Uh, that's great. Um, if you're if you're going to be on Twitter, it's best to take very little shit. Yeah. Um, so, you're doing it really well, Mara Wilson. She's fantastic in this yeah you know we mentioned mrs doubtfire it's another movie that i i quite like um and she's fine in it but she's very young yeah she's born in 87 so that was 93 filmed in 92 so she was like five yeah yeah so like she's fine um but she's phenomenal in this movie her delivery is all very really great like yeah you know it's not super nuanced or anything but like she was she's very young but i mean like there you know there are some times where she seems like, she's got a little bit of range here where she's yes. either being a little retiring or a little humble or whatever, or she's not taking guff from people. Yeah. Like, her parents keep being very dismissive of her and stuff, and, and the FBI, which one of them's played by Paul Rubens, Paul I didn't Rubens. know. It's Paul Rubens and Tracy Walter. <laughs> yeah. Tracy Walter, in case you don't know, Bob the Goon from tim burton's batman 89 mm. uh, that's where I, I first know him from he's sure. a character actor who appeared in a ton of yeah. things yeah um but I, as soon as they showed up because i again had never seen this i was like oh shit that's great i immediately want a whole movie of the just the two of them yeah because they so, only have about three scenes yeah. and they're very diminished they're but either like, cops or fbi, FBI. agents okay and they're staking out the Wormwood residence uh, because they're on to, uh, I guess maybe uh, he's getting illicit parts as well. He, he is having, so the whole reason that he, uh, uh, he being Dane DeVito. Yeah. Uh, I forget his, I, I only wrote down dad, but dad Wormwood. Um, the only reason he even sees Matilda as having any value is that she can be home during the day to accept packages. Um, because, yeah, he's getting stolen car parts delivered to his house. Um, uh, it's Harry, Harry Wormwood. And what's Rhea Perlman, just so we can get uh, this out of the way? Zinnia Zinnia, yes. Yeah. So, because I'm never going to mention it again, but we might mm-hmm. as well do it once. Um, so, yeah, he can have, you know, stolen car parts delivered to the house. And, like, hilariously, they're wrapped just in paper. So it's exactly the shape of, like, a muffler or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's obvious, like, that it is car parts. Yeah. Um, and... The whole like he and Zinnia have kind of an argument at one point where you know she's like, well, if it's work, why can't you have it delivered to the garage? And he's like, because the FBI might be watching the garage. And <laughs> you're doing some good voices today, by the way. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah, I try. Yeah. And um, Matilda is like reading a book on on her chair, and she doesn't even look up. She goes, the FBI is watching the house. He goes, what? <laughs> and goes, those aren't FBI. They're speedboat salesmen, and they're very nice men. <laughs> It's so goddamn funny. Yep. What a good line. And that's she says it a lot, man. She anytime that they oh, yeah. bring these up, she's just like they're cops, and they're like they're not cops, and she's like they are cops. Yeah. There's a there's an exchange <laughs> later which is really funny where I can't I didn't write it down, but it's like, you know, 
well, some people are like, you know, this thing and some people are whatever. And she's like, they're just very nice men. Some people are just very nice men. And, <laughs> and Mara Wilson, Matilda just goes, and some people are cops. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so I mean, like, that's, you know, that's a slightly nuanced performance that's definitely done with a different delivery than when she's telling Miss Honey that she loves to read. You know? Yeah, I, I think what she really has super well in this is timing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like the the cadence with which she says things, like you know, I watch a lot of movies. I'm very very unforgiving of child actors. Yeah. Um, because I also feel like child acting was, and this is not meant as a slight to either end of this, but I feel like it was viewed for a long time as like animal acting, which is like as long as they can technically do it, it doesn't even matter if it's good. Yeah. But they, then, got, they got to look in the right direction, say the line. Or whatever, yeah. And as long as it sort of sounds like what was on the paper, that's fine. Right, and that's, yeah. you watch a lot of movies where... Give me a line, a famous line, anything. I'll play the city like a harp from hell. Okay, play the city like a harp from hell. If yeah. you gave that to some child actors, they'd be like, yeah. I'll play the city like a harp from hell. Yeah. And you're and they would be like, cool, good, we got it, moving yeah. on. And they would move on to the next Print scene. Print Yeah. Right. That's all they ask for. Just like, oh, the cat can walk from here to there. I don't give a shit. It's fine. Then when you watch a movie where you're like, I think this cat is acting. Like, and it's mind-blowing how good it can be. Yeah. Uh, cat is a bad example. Cats f- typically aren't the best actors. But, like, you, right. s- you watch a dog movie and you're like, this dog is emoting. Or, I mean, like... Well, they're, like we they're... watched the Beethoven movies and apparently a lot of those dogs were specifically trained yes. for that role. Well, that's the thing. And could do these things. Yeah. Um. You get, like, people who make their living being quote-unquote animal wranglers mm-hmm. like they it's like plug and play they have like the walking cat they yeah. have the you mm-hmm. know the standing cat they have the cat that looks directly at the camera they have the cat that you can give you know something to that you know it'll move its mouth the right way to look like it's talking so you can do the fucking uh, salem from teen the sabrina uh, sabrina the teenage, teenage witch. witch that's what they you know it's yeah. it's it, it's plug and play you're just like what cat do you need this day this one will bat string around like nobody's fucking business. You want that cat? You know, like, whatever. Also, this has a newt actor, except that it's, what, three? Three? Three yeah. newts? I forgot to write down their credits. Uh, um, it was, the one was Sir Mis- Isaac. One was Sir Isaac. One was uh, Mr. Speaker. Yeah. Or something. Speaker yeah. of the House. Yeah. And then the other one was... Um, shit. Oh, oh. Um, Wayne. Yeah. And we were looking at them, and you're like, oh, those are weird names. I was like, Sir Isaac Newton. And I was like, oh, and Wayne Newton. And then I was like, oh, wait, was Newt Gingrich the Speaker of the House at this time? I bet he was. Yeah. Somebody had fun. Somebody had fun. That's my favorite <laughs> favorite line in, in Die Hard with a Vengeance. <laughs> Human giant Jeremy Irons turns to the camera. I believe he removes sunglasses, and he goes, somebody had fun. I love yeah. that guy. I love that tall man. But yeah, yeah. you know, whoever, apparently whoever, whoever the uh, the herpetologist, uh, yeah, you know, Newt Wrangler on this was. They're having some fun. Yeah. Um. But did you know? Apparently, uh, Jeremy Irons lives in a castle. Uh, this is not a joke. Sure. Like, he apparently like has a. <laughs> I don't know if it's like a familial castle or he just bought a castle and like mm-hmm. just lives in a castle. And I'm like, motherfucker knows how to do it. Mm-hmm. Great actor. Yeah has an incredible presence and then you know does a lot of stage work and mm-hmm. stuff and it's just like the night i go to my castle and you're just like fuck yeah dude i bet he's got all the comforts of home in there yeah although if i was gonna live in a castle it would be like outfitted so that's not drafty you yeah know, i was gonna whatever. say to, not to be a debbie downer but hi you can call me i don't know deborah yeah but no um deborah Downier. yeah sure um 
Downer Abbey. Uh, yeah, because castles. Because um, British. Because British. No, but yeah, they're apparently like super drafty yeah. and impossible to heat and real expensive. Yeah, dog, for they're a made lot of, of old stone. I know. They're held together with like peasant blood. Well, they're not and, like insulated. Well, and that's why um, like tapestries and wall hangings was such a big deal is yeah. that it was insulating. Yeah, and that's also why people live out. to be about 32. Yeah, yeah, catching their death. Also plagues. Yeah. <laughs> plagues were big. When castles were big. So I'm assuming that, yeah, I'm assuming Jeremy Irons isn't, like, wrapped in a million blankets, like, shivering all night mm-hmm. uh, in some uninsulated castle. I'm, I'm guessing maybe he had part of it renovated. Sure. Which is what I would do. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Except for the haunted wing. That one gets to stay creepy. Yeah. They're like, hey, hey, boss, I just wanted to check this one more time. Um, I know we went over this, but... uh. You say you want the lights to flicker over here? Yeah, I want your worst connections, frayedest wires, the whole nine. Oh, okay. All right. Up to code, but not an inch higher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I want it to pass inspection, but just barely. Yeah. This is the haunted wing. This is where the we're, ghost is. We're looking for a C plus here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to keep all my haunted artifacts and macabre. Your word for... Yeah, spooky, spooky, spooky bric-a-brac. yeah. Spooky bric-a-brac. Uh-huh. Uh, macabre. Anyway, so one of the things that I, like, really love in this movie, and this might be from the book, I don't know, uh, Miss Honey's asking Matilda, like, what she likes to read, and she goes, uh, and Darl's Chickens. Uh, Charles Dickens. Yeah. I could read him all day, and, you know, Miss Honey's like, me too. I love that little yeah moment of, like, because she's a fucking kid. Like, yeah. yes, she's the smartest kid maybe ever. Yeah. She's like, you know, ooh, let's do Doogie Hauser. Let's put him on the super team. Mm-hmm. But since he doesn't technically have powers, he's just really, really smart. Mm-hmm. And now he's an adult. Yeah. So he's like their, um, like Oracle, like for, uh-huh. for the bat family. Like he just stays in the, in the van and does like hacking. Sure. Yeah. And then like when they get injured, he's like, I'll patch him up. And he, yeah. Yeah. He's support. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's, this is good. This show is good. This super smart, super smart psychic children, um, show is good. I yeah. like this. This is good. We're going, we're going places. Sure. Neil Patrick Harris call me. Because, like, I know he doesn't, I'm sure he doesn't want to be associated with Doogie Howser forever, but this is different enough that he might be yeah. like, this'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, maybe we never refer to him as Doogie Howser. Like, they just call him D.H. Yeah. Oh, the the You Chose Books, I Chose Looks scene um, when Ms. Mm-hmm. Honey comes to the Wormwood house. <laughs> Dane DeVito says, I didn't go to college, and I don't know anybody that did. Bunch of hippies and cesspool salesmen. <laughs> yeah. What a great line. Oh, boy. I mean, like, he's a used car salesman. Like, the hierarchy is wafer thin. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Oh, so this is this is a great scene. This is a very good scene. The the Bruce Bogtrotter scene? Yes. Uh, the Trunchbull calls an assembly, and she calls Bruce Bogtrotter up on the stage. And uh, he's a little heavy kid. She calls him up on stage and accuses him of eating a piece of her chocolate cake. And this kid... Plays it like, you know, like he's on this, on uh, like on trial where he's like, eh, it's kind of hard for me to remember a specific piece of cake. <laughs> uh, and she's like, well, this is the most delectable cake and blah, 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 blah. And um, she brings out like a, a cloche and takes the you know top off and whatever and this piece of cake. And she's like, eat it. And he's like, uh, I don't want to eat it. And she's like, eat it. And so this kid has to eat this cake. And then he, he finishes... And she has Cookie, the, the, the school's cook, bring out the rest of this cake, which is enormous. It's like, you know, extra large pizza diameter, giant chocolate on chocolate cake. 
Which, by the way, it looked so goddamn good. I just wanted it so badly. Put it in my face. But she's like, you have to eat all of it. So I like this scene a lot. It's very gross in a fun way. It's not super, like, gross-out gross. Mm -hmm. But, like, it's just this kid eating cake with his hands. Like, shoveling cake in his face. Like, it's smeared all over his face. Cookie is super gross. Yeah. Cookie, like, comes out and um, Trunchbull has a line of, like, Cookie's blood and sweat went into this cake and you're going to, you know, eat all of it. And as as she says that, Cookie, like, wipes her nose with her entire arm. Like, yeah. it's just, like, down one nostril and up the other. Like, ugh. And then she, like, turns around and scratches her ass and says, I'll see you at lunch and walks off. Mm-hmm. So good. It's such a funny, weird little one one scene yeah. thing. Um, so then... It's like time-lapse montage thing of, of, of Bruce eating this cake. Mm-hmm. And um, it becomes clear that he's probably going to throw up. Yep. And I was like, oh, does this have like a weird projectile vomit like gag in it? Because like, I could see that. Like, yeah. um, It doesn't because Matilda just starts chanting, Bruce, Bruce, Bruce. <laughs> Which goes over like gangbusters in New mm-hmm. Jersey. <laughs> From, yeah, Springsteen. Yeah. Yeah. And so, the, you know, Bruce is energized. He's hearing it from the crowd. Yeah. Like the ultimate warrior. Yep. And then he manages to eat the whole cake. He belches a crazy big belch. And then Trunchbull breaks the cake plate over his head. Yeah. It's awesome. What a heel move. Yeah. Well, because like, yeah, he's, you know, in this moment he has triumphed and, yeah. you know, the bell's been rung and then. Yeah, he's yeah. the champ. Yep. And yep. then she comes at him with a foreign object. Yep. He deserved the belt. I love wrestling. All yeah, right, yeah. On. and yeah, it's just it's a good scene for again world building for you know continuing to establish who and how everybody is. Yeah, you yeah. Because yeah, she's awful. You know, Trenchpool's awful in this. Matilda's you know supportive of her fellow students and having like this sort of squaring off, but in a way that's not a direct uh, conflict. Yeah, yeah, like I said, like Matilda's perfectly happy to just be at that school and like fix problems as she encounters them mm-hmm. not like you know it's not immediately like well we got to get rid of trunchbull um which i also kind of feel like that would be a if not if this was necessarily made because this is based on something so sure. like yeah but if this kind of story was made now yeah i feel like maybe that would be it like she goes to the school and then immediately it's like well how do we get rid of trunchbull and that's like your third act right this is interesting because like her main conflict is with trunchbull but in a larger sense, it is just with adults behaving badly. It's with, yeah, injustice. Yes. Yeah. And that... It's with bullies. Yeah. And that is just really... you. Yeah, it's not very frequently played that way. No, and no. it's a much broader sort of view. Yeah. And I think it's because it's hard to do it. Sure. That way. Yeah. I think it's hard to make... Uh, adults being mean to kids come off as just being bullies and not being monsters. Yeah. Because um, it's a very fine line. Yeah. And, you know, like, even, like, Danny DeVito and, and Trunchbull, and the, like, they they uh, they kind of just behave like bigger kids who are jerks. Yeah. You know? And then you also see them sort of being dicks to each other. Because, oh, yeah, Because, like, yeah, yeah. he sells her a terrible car. Sells her a car, shitty car. And uh, she, like, is she, calling and harassing the house and stuff, and is kind of taking it out of Matilda to, She says to Matilda, know, yeah. the apple doesn't rot far from the tree. Yeah. Which is also another great line. Yeah. It's a super, super great dialogue. Very quotable. There's like a quick cut to all the kids post the Bruce uh, cake eating scene, going out and hanging out in the in the in the wilderness, kind of by a stream, whatever. And they they find a newt. They bring it home in a jar, not home. They bring it back to school in a jar, 
and um, then the Trunchbull's gonna do her weekly, you know, hanging out in the classroom day. So they're transforming the classroom again and whatever, and um, Lavender doesn't have time to show Ms. Honey, like, I got a newt, or like, where should I put the newt? And um, Ms. Honey's like, get, you know, get a pitcher of water for Miss Trunchbull. And uh, the, the narration says, like, you know, some great ideas come from planning and careful consideration, and others just pop into your head. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she, she puts the newt in the water pitcher. Trunchbull pours herself a glass. The newt's in it, you know, while she's berating the class about how terrible children are and how great she is or whatever. Um, she, she drinks a little bit of it. All the kids start laughing. There's a great close-up of her, like, still drinking where you can hear, like, like, of her, like, yeah. with just her eyes, like, darting back and forth over the class. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, then, um, you know, she looks at it. She goes, it's a snake! Yeah, they're trying to poison me. <laughs> trying to poison me. Yeah. Um, and, like, yeah, it's a whole thing. And uh, the she's going to, you know, potentially kill the newt and... Um, Matilda, Matilda uses the glass over. Yeah, tips the glass mind. over. It lands on uh, Trunchbull. It flies across the room. It sticks to the light. Mm-hmm. And then when it falls, uh, some kid just like puts his hands out and catches it. Yeah. And then just hides it. <laughs> like there's an, there's enough of a shot where the, the actual live, because it's like a fake newt that he catches, cuts to a reaction mm-hmm. shot, cuts back, and it's the live newt like in his hands. And you can see it like move around. And then he just like puts his hands under his desk like, I don't know nothing. I didn't see nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's fun stuff. Oh, so this is a thing that pisses off Trunchbull, which I think is really funny. Um, she's mad that the children are learning. And um, so the little girl with the pigtails, I don't know if it wrote Petunia. Petunia. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, Petunia's like, we learned how to spell difficulty yesterday. That was a big word or whatever. And um, Trunchbull says, like, you couldn't spell difficulty if your life depended on it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so Petunia leads the class in this little, like, rhyme to help you remember how to spell difficulty, mm-hmm. which is... Mrs. D, Mrs. I, Mrs. F, F, I, Mrs. C, Mrs. U, Mrs. L, T, Y. And the Trunchbull's response is, why are all these women married? <laughs> <laughs> so good. She, she, at one point she says, sit down, you squirming worm of vomit. Mm-hmm. Which is perfect role doll. That's very him. Yeah. Like, she calls somebody a venomous sack of goat slime. Ugh. Uh, she says one of my favorite lines, which I feel is super relatable. She goes, I like a joke as much as the next fat person. Yeah. And I was like, that's true. We do <laughs> like jokes. Uh-huh. I do like a good joke. Mm-hmm. Um, she calls somebody a piss worm, which I was like, did I write this? That yeah. sounds like something I would say. Yeah. A child, uh, I think, probably is. I didn't write down who she was saying it to. I'm assuming she was talking to a child. That's wild. Um, she storms out of there. We Matilda find... tries to tell Miss Honey that she's the one that tipped the glass over. Yeah. But when she tries to demonstrate her power again, she can't. And she's like, you know, maybe I'm maybe I made myself too tired. Mm-hmm. Like she she used up all her mojo. Miss Honey just thinks it's she. So she thinks it's because Trunchbull like blamed the kids for it that like Matilda was you know absorbing yeah. this blame, yeah. which is like that's what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you tell kids they're, you know, stupid and bad and no good, they're going to be like, well, I'm stupid and I'm bad and I'm no good and I don't care. Uh, you, you know, which is why you should be nice to your children and raise them. Just try raising your kids. It's a good thing. Just give it a shot. Just see if you like it. Um, because then they might actually be like, you know, people mm-hmm. and not jerks. They might grow up to be like not jerks. 
um, if you're like, hey, you're you're you know you're worthwhile, and I care about you, and you'll you'll benefit society, then I'm like, I should ma- I could maybe benefit society. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wild idea. I know. I just came up with it. Mm-hmm. I think I'm gonna write a book under the pseudonym of I don't know. I'm probably one of the guys from Star Trek, and then I'm gonna go travel back in time and leave it. It's a Doctor Spock uh, child rearing. Oh, joke. okay. Okay. It's a long. See, it's a long yeah. walk for not much yeah, payoff. I, I apologize. I've had, this is my third cup of coffee, so it's. Yep. I I just Went got up over and, my head like that little girl over that gate. Yes, right. Yep. Uh, uh, so at this point, Miss Honey walks with Matilda and gives her her backstory, which is she tells it to her as though it happened to somebody else, and then the reveal at the end of the scene is that it was her. But she says, you know, there was a little girl, and when she was two years old, her mother died. Um, her father was, you know. Uh, overworked and he sent for her you know aunt to come yeah her mother's sister to come Mm -hmm. um which you see in the flashback is trunchbull um and she's like when she was five her father passed away it was ruled a suicide and i was like this is dark Mm -hmm. but also rolled all like i that that fits you know but this is dark darker than i was expecting i mean also children's literature is littered with orphans oh oh i know know. and i'm not against it i just was surprised yeah i think you know i've I've said this before kids can handle a lot yeah if you give them the tools to handle it, they can handle it. That's sure. Kid, kids are just little fucking like learning machines. Yeah. So if you teach them how to handle things and you give them context for things, then they know how to handle those things. They have, you know, yeah. Yeah. So whatever. It's the whole, it's the argument for like, well, you should just introduce your kids to these concepts because they're going to encounter them at some point. Yep. And the earlier that they are, you know, you know, familiar with them, the less of a shock it's going to be to their system. Well, and the more likely that you're going to be able to control how it's presented and in what level of detail it's true yeah, yeah you know yeah and then the the girl grew up and she got a cottage and okay blah blah, blah. uh and then she she tells you know she's matilda do you know why i told you this and she goes no uh, and she goes you were born into a family that doesn't always appreciate you but one day things are going to be very different and then uh, matilda looks and sees the cottage and it's got the wildflowers she goes oh you were the girl in the story and she's mm-hmm. like yeah and she goes that means so she goes yes trunchbull is my aunt um, when I was Googling Matilda stuff the other day, like mm-hmm. in prep for this, one of the first results that comes up is what is Miss Honey's secret? And I was like, it's in the fucking movie. How is this like one of the top? Cause at one point she goes like the, the narration goes, Miss Honey had a secret, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. That's the secret is that she's related to Trunchbull. Well, I mean, that's either, um, that being a Google result is either, um, people not quite paying attention that that was something that was unknown or might just be uh, people uh, Googling for book reports without actually reading the thing. Fair. Okay. <laughs> so maybe it's not that people are stupid. Maybe it's that people are lazy. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. So. Yeah. Yeah. What we establish in this is that Trunchbull is very superstitious, which is important later. Yeah. Um, her car is very shitty, which is also, I mean, it's not important, but it's funny. Well, it's what she bought from Matilda's yeah. dad. Yeah. Well, in fact, it has it still has dealer plates on it. Yeah. Which are these great like it says Wormwood Motors and it's got like one of those red like sunburst like designs behind it. Mm-hmm. Like um like a pow uh word balloon kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, which I was like, "Oh, I, I really like that." Like that would be a fun um super yaki uh if you're listening, <laughs> which you're probably not. But if you are and you want to make like a fun uh like work polo yeah type shirt like you know looks like looks like from your job hunters here for it wormwood motors that'd be fun because not it's not gonna be a thing everybody instantly knows what the reference is so that's kind of fun and some people might just buy it because of absinthe yeah 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 they're like ooh. <laughs> they're like i love 
absinthe or uh isn't that from the bible isn't there like a town oh no wormwood is the name of the star i forget it's from the bible it's in the bible it's in one of the bibles okay it is all right yeah i think it's also on trigun maybe (laughs) i don't know that's how my brain works the guy the guy is flipping through those filing cabinets like just lightning quick (laughs) um so building a a, one of the string walls for you yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Pepe Silvio wall. <laughs> You've explained that on this, what that is, right? Uh, in case you don't know, Always Sunny, which is great. Um, Danny DeVito. Features Danny DeVito, yes. <laughs> Related. Uh-huh. There's a string from those two things. Uh-huh. Um, there's an episode where Charlie and Mac get a job in the mail room of some uh, building, and um, they're not sleeping, and they're also both idiots. <laughs> Uh, so, so Charlie constructs an entire conspiracy wall of like mail and photos and articles and string, you know, linking things together. Um, and the whole thing is that there's mail circulating in the company for Pepe Silvio, but there is no Pepe Silvio. And as though that is some kind of big conspiracy, um, it's actually a very, very good and tangible metaphor for conspiracy thought in general, Uh but yeah, Pepe Silvio. A Pepe Silvio wall is your big yeah. lunatic conspiracy theorist wall. And because that's how he misconstrued Pennsylvania? I guess. Okay. Is that the reveal? I, I, I don't, don't even remember anymore. Okay. He's not a strong reader. Yeah. No, he's not. Um, God, I love Charlie Day so much. Uh, previous episode of Pacific Rim. Oh, yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. So. A lot of strings. Yeah, a lot of strings, yeah. baby. String theory. It's not what they call it. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> Matilda now realizing that Miss Honey grew up in the Trunchbull, quote-unquote, the Trunchbull's house. Miss Honey's like, well, this is my father's house, but the Trunchbull lives there now, and I had to leave my treasures there. Which she means, like, photos of her parents, um, a doll she loved, and her father's chocolate box. She's like, you know, that was my favorite memory. He would take, you know, after dinner he would take a chocolate out, and he would cut it in half, and always give me the bigger half. When the Trunchbull raised me, um, she would always say, and that's the close-up of her just, like, cramming caramel chocolate, you know, in her mouth. And she's like, far too good for children. <laughs> and it's great. It's super gross and fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and just despicable. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of gross eating in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is fun. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Is there anybody, anybody done a deep dive on, uh, you know, Roald Dahl's relationship to food? I mean, I don't know. James and the Giant Peach is a bit of a thing yeah i don't but like all the candy i mean like in in chocolate factory oh, the like Charlie and chocolate he clearly yeah. has a like uh uh you know like in that it's like oh gluttony you know is yeah. like bad but like in this it's kind of like eh, fucking bruce gets a win you know yeah. despite sneaking chocolate cake which he should not have done you know like that kind of thing so yeah. like i was just curious because there's food in a lot of present in a lot of his stuff yeah hmm. might just be that food is very common and everybody knows what it is <laughs> you know this thing it's called food it's that thing what's it called um you know you eat it and, and uh, you live yeah you continue to be alive <laughs> i can't remember what it's called oh, oh man i should have eaten more brain this stuff oh what was it yeah brain food yeah yes okay so that one i got thank you <laughs> dr spock um so uh Matilda convinces Miss Honey that they're going to sneak into, you know, the Trunchbull house and get some of her treasures back. But the shitty car breaks down. So Trunchbull, like, deadlifts it, like, just, like, picks up the rear bumper and rotates the car and then, like, pushes it back to the house. Mm -hmm. It's really funny. 
Um, it's fun that they just make her, you know, superhuman strong. Like, yeah. I mean, it's not superhuman. People have done it, but just like wildly strong. Yeah. And I believe I believe the doll is called Lissy Doll. Yeah. And uh, so they're they're gonna get that. But Trunchbull comes home, and there's like a bit of a home invasion sort of farce where she doesn't know who's in her house. She's basically like, come out and fight like a man. And they're like sneaking around and mm-hmm. knocking uh, into stuff. Yeah. At and, one point she thinks know. that she scared them off. So she goes to like sit down and have a chocolate piece of chocolate cake. And um, Matilda's hiding under the kitchen table and she like whips the you know tablecloth up and looks and there's nobody there. And it's because Matilda has like climbed up and wedged herself like just underneath the table with like her arms on two of the legs and her legs on two of the legs. Like, mm-hmm. you know. And, but she's, like, losing her grip and sliding down. Yeah. So Miss Honey sneaks back to the front door and slams it. Yeah. And then she runs upstairs. Trunchbull kind of goes out front for a second to, like, see if she sees somebody running away. And she's got the uh, the shot put. Yeah. And she's going to, like, you know, I guess murder someone. <laughs> um, yeah, they look like little cannonballs. Yeah. Like, it's not even, like, because when I... Yeah, we do, like, a track thing for Jim. Oh, no, it's the like hammer that. throw. It's the It's the ball on a... Oh, okay. On a chain. That's what it is. Okay. But yeah, I mean, like, I don't know if that's how they used to be, but like, she's got these just like, they look like iron balls. Yeah, it's just an iron weight ball. Yeah. Um, anytime that I've seen modern ones, they have like some sort of like a rubberized coating for grip, I guess. Yeah. But so yeah. They, they look less just like weaponry, Archaic, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they look they, like, they look less like they're multi-use. Like yeah. you can either throw them in the Olympics or drop them on intruders. Right. From your embattlements, you yeah. know. Um, but, so Trunchbull, like, goes upstairs because she hears, like, creaking. And then um, while they're upstairs, you know, Matilda's like, oh, shit, I don't know. Like, I guess I'll try to get out of here. And so I think the bit, it's not really super visually explained, but the back stairs of the house are now just, like, covered in pots and pans and the, uh, you know. Yeah, it's, like, used for storage. Yeah. yeah, but it's back, it's stairs. Yeah. So um, you hear, like, all the pots and pans start clattering down and you don't know who's going to come down the stairs. You think it's going to be the Trunchbull. It's Miss Honey. She and Matilda go down to the basement and then sneak out through the window and take off. Um, and Trunchbull follows them and smashes a statue with the hammer, like the yeah. the ball on a chain. Thing. Oh, it's wild. It's great. It's yeah. really funny. Yeah. Very um, tense, too. It is. Yeah. yeah. Matilda now has seen Lissy Doll and knows, you know. The, the stuff. layout of the house somewhat. Yeah. And yeah. And all she's. This stuff. she's feel- oh, and um, Miss Honey. Um, mentions that the uh, portrait of her father is gone from above the fireplace and yeah, there's a replaced portrait by a portrait of Trunchbull. Of Trunchbull, yeah. Uh, yeah. And like, Matilda's like, whoever painted this must have had a strong stomach. Yeah. That's good. Um, in the in the paintings, because they, they find the paintings in a room upstairs, mm-hmm. um, in the paintings, her father kind of looks like, kind of looks like John Saxon. Okay. A little bit in, yeah, the, in the paintings. Sure. Not, in, not the actor that, like, in the flashbacks. But in those portraits, I was like, kind of looks like young, dark-haired John Saxon. Sure. <laughs> Which is, uh, you know, well, yeah. maybe, whatever. Just a, for th- food for thought, I guess. So we get um, a little quick montage of Matilda, like, just vibing with her powers. Yeah, uh, working on it. Yeah. Practicing. Um, yeah, she's just, like, you know, moving stuff around. She's dancing to a uh, little bitty pretty one by Thurston Harris. Yeah. Um, and the FBI break into her garage mm-hmm. uh, because they're tired of just waiting for proof. They're mm-hmm. going to just manufacture it. So she decides to fuck with them a little. So it's, you know, it's uh, 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 Paul Rubens and um, Tracy Walter. And there's like a big box up on a shelf. And, you know, uh, they're like, that's where the, you know, I bet that's where the car parts are. So Paul Rubens like sets a ladder up. Mm-hmm. 
And while he's arguing with Tracy Walter, Matilda mentally, you know, slides the box to the other end of the shelf. So Paul Rubens climbs the ladder and now the box is over there and he can't reach it. So then he has to move the ladder. And she does this two or three times. And then she just comes in and she's like, hey, you guys are like totally breaking the law by being illegally in my garage. And they kind of are like, nah, you can't do anything else. You're a kid. And so she releases the parking brake on their car and starts to roll down the street. And she goes, there's another crime about to be committed. Your car is going to go through an intersection. Or whatever. Yeah. Your car is about to run a red light. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. yeah. And um, they're like, oh, shit. Um, she also, like, she stops Karen as much about using her powers. She's, you know, she's feeling it now. Mm-hmm. So, like, her, her brother, who has entirely, this whole movie, called her Dip Face. Yeah. Dip. Like, yeah. chips and dip. Dip Face. Which yeah. I was just like, boy, that sounds like Dick Face. <laughs> here's, the, here's the other thing, though, too, is it's it's very good for... Because, like, you ever meet a kid and they heard a new word and suddenly that's just everything every time? Oh, that's me. Yeah. I do that all the time. Sure. But, you know. Apologies, by the way, if anybody can hear our neighbors are, like, weed whacking or whatever. But, like, what are you going to do? Yeah. she got a whole rainbow of insults. Yeah, piss worm. Yep. And Squirming worm of vomit. Well, those yeah. both worms. And, you know, and, and, and Brother Mikey just has the one. <laughs> yeah. Dip face. So yeah. he says, hey, dip face, uh, want a carrot? And he throws a carrot at her. Um, and she catches it in midair with her powers and then, like, rockets it back and it goes right into his mouth and he starts choking on it. And from off screen, you hear Danny DeVito, <laughs> chew your food, you're an animal! Yep. <laughs> Which really made me laugh very hard. Yep. Uh, so Matilda goes and knowing that Trunchbull is um, superstitious, she fakes a haunting. Yeah. Um, as an excuse to, well, as a diversion to get uh, the Lissy doll. Lissy doll and a couple chocolates. Yeah, yeah, and yep. some chocolates as a reward. Um, uh-huh. But so it's a lot of, like, floating um, the portraits of, uh, you know, Miss Honey's father and making the clock uh, keep chiming the hour, like, every 30 seconds. So it's just, like, a constant racket and, like, other stuff is floating and the chair is moving out when she tries to sit on it and all kinds of little stuff like that. Was this when Trenchbull was sharpening javelins? Yes, she's sharpening her javelin. Yeah. (laughs) What a great detail. Yeah. But she steals the, you know, the doll gives it to miss honey and she goes here and i got this for you too one of the chocolates she goes, i ate mine last night yeah miss honey's kind of freaking out she's like i thought i told you not to go in there and she's like i didn't i use my powers and stuff and she's like well maybe i can you know bring it back before she notices because she's gonna be so angry when she realizes this is gone and stuff and then matilda is just kind of like floating the pitcher of water up yeah to kind of demonstrate to miss honey that she can do that and it takes her a minute to sort of like realize react to you know, it. Yeah, yeah. She just pushes it back down without really looking at it. Yeah. She's and like, then, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Matilda lifts it again and she kind of like double take. Yeah, yeah. 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 And she's like, you know, see, I, I can do this now. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so Trunchbull the next day in class is very uh, mad. She knows that children were in her house. That's what she, you know? Yeah. And um, so Matilda just goes whole hog and, you know, is doing another fake haunting, basically, in the yep. classroom. Yeah. Flickering she, the lights flickering and lights, making whole, the chalk. The, oh, the... she she asks Miss Honey, like, you said your dad called you Hummingbird? And she's like, Bumblebee or whatever yeah. it was. And she's like, and Miss Trenchbull called your dad Magnus. And what did he call her? Yeah. And Which is, I forget what it is. Yeah, I don't remember now. Yeah. But uh, Agatha. That's Agatha, it, yes. Yeah. And 
And so then, armed with all that information... Yeah, she's making stuff fly around the room. She's making the shades go up and down. The lights are flickering. And then she takes chalk and writes this whole, like, paragraph. Yeah, Agatha, Um, you know, give my uh, Bumblebee back her house, you know. Et cetera, et cetera. But it ends with, uh, or I will get you like you got me. Because both Matilda and Miss Honey don't believe it was suicide. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that really freaks her out, uh, Trunchbull. And she tosses a kid... Out the window, and this is when Matilda makes him fly. Yeah. And he's like, wee! And then he flies back in, collides with Trunchbull. She gets knocked down. She has all the erasers uh, clap all over Trunchbull, so she's, like, all, like, dusty and chalky and just, like, exhausted and laying defeated on the ground. Mm Mm-hmm. Matilda makes the uh, all the kids' lunches fly off the shelves and start emptying themselves and throwing all the food. So basically a food fight at Trunchbull, yeah. who is driven out into the hallway, and all the other classes see this happening. And they, uh, I think it's Bruce, is like, hey! And he, like, runs in, and he's like, everybody, get, like, get your lunches! So then all the kids are just pelting her with food, mm-hmm. and they drive her out of the whole uh, school, which is where you see the plaque on the wall that says um trunchbull family something uh, olympic thing you know and then it says uh, uh uh um shot put javelin hammer throw mm, nice yeah um and then yeah so the <laughs> it ends with um matilda and miss honey hanging out at miss honey's house and you hear <laughs> sirens and the Wormwood station wagon pulls up, and uh, Danny Vito's like, "Get in the car, we gotta go." <laughs> yeah, aren't they moving to Guam or <laughs> something? To Guam. Oh fuck, it's so Which, funny. Also, Guam's a protectorate of the United States, right? So yeah, I, I know that. So I feel like quick, somebody give me the Cliff's notes on Guam. Does it does it count as extradition if you don't actually really leave the U.S. territories? Here's the thing. <laughs> I don't know what any of those words mean. I know what they mean. I don't know what the rules are. Uh, I don't know what a protectorate is. I don't know how extradition works. I don't know. I don't know. Well, so extradition is... Um, I know what it is. I don't know how it works. Okay. Two countries have agreed, like, hey, if anybody from your country who's committed a crime comes right, we'll here, send them back. we'll send them back to you. Yeah. yeah. It's like when you're a kid and you fuck something up and you go to your friend's house. Yeah. And your parents call and go, like, you need to send Bobby home because he fucked something up. Yeah. And they're like, well, Bobby, you got to go home because you fucked up and now you're going to get punished. Yeah. That's wow. what it is. Yeah. I get yep. it. I get extradition. I was a child. Yeah. I harbored children criminals. No, you didn't. I did. A lot of my friends came to my house when they were like, I can't go home because I'm in trouble. Oh. I was like, all right, you can hang out here. I don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. It's no skin off my nose. Uh-huh. And then eventually if their parents called, I'd be like, your mom called, so like, you probably should go home. And they're like, Ugh. you know. I haven't seen him. Yeah. I'm like, who? <laughs> Best friend, you say. Hmm. Show me the receipts. <laughs> um, uh, I was very well behaved. I was... The only beast friends I have are all these cats. Beast friends. Yeah. Wasn't that, a, wasn't that a Transformers spinoff? Uh, Beast Wars? Yeah, but I thought afterwards there was Beast Friends. <laughs> there was a whole whole show of them just like hanging out, drinking oh, yeah. artisanal motor oil. They had that uh, beginning theme. Why can't we, Beast Friends? Why can't we, Beast Friends? <laughs> In my head, it was a robot version of the Friends theme. It was like... <laughs> <laughs> Well, no so one told- no one told you that was going to be this way. Clap, 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 clap. <laughs> <laughs> Weird. Uh, boy. All right. That's stupid. Yeah. Beast friends. This is all bad. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the adoption scene. Yeah. Uh, 
she pulls out the papers. It's honestly really good. Yeah, and then we have kind of a happy, happy ever after epilogue montage. Yeah, it of says just, that, like them being around the house together. And yeah, and it says that um, and Matilda never had to use her powers again. Um, it says well, almost never, and she pulls a book off the shelf. But so I like the implication that like she only used those powers when she needed to to right some kind of wrong. Yeah, and since then she fixed everything for you know in her her and Miss Honey's life. Then. She never needed to use me. I, I like that. It's it's a sweet little button on yeah, the story. That's a departure from the book. Oh, yeah. Because in the book, once she starts using more of her brains, uh, she has an outlet yeah. for her powers. Yeah, it's just like yeah. Lucy. Yeah. Yeah, sure. it's just like Lucy. At the end yeah. of the book, she becomes basically uh-huh. like the the internet. Yeah, sure. And then she ascends to like a level of godhood and uh-huh. she stops time. And, uh-huh. Right. Just like Lucy. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how uh, Luke Besson didn't get sued for just ripping off Matilda, the book. <laughs> Wait, does it have an inspired by Matilda Crab? I've never seen it, so maybe it does. It uh-huh. might have a based on the works of Roald Dahl. Uh huh. But no, I mean, but so that's you know, because she actually starts doing accelerated stuff with Miss Honey. Yeah. When she gets adopted or whatever, and then some years later, she's like, "I can't do it anymore," and Miss Honey's like, "Well, it might be just that like you didn't have an outlet, and now that you do, yeah, you know, oh, that's it, interesting. It went away. Yeah. See, in my version, it'd be like. And Matilda continued to use her powers to fight injustice all across the land. And then it would cut to like a rooftop at night. Mm-hmm. And then like the dun, 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 and then she would land and she has her like domino mask on and Miss Honey has like a also domino mask on and Okay. it's a Batman Yeah. Batman score joke. A Danny Elfman joke. Uh what would it be? It would be I don't know. Brain girl. Yeah, brain girl and bumblebee. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Something. I was trying to think, like, I don't, I, yeah, like, I don't have a good, uh, you know, sober cat. For... Witch girl. Yeah, sure. She's like, criminals are a superstitious and cowardly lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Witch girl and bumblebee. That's pretty close to Batman and Robin, honestly. Yeah. Like, that's not that far off at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this could work. Uh-huh. The extended Matilda universe. Mm-hmm. And then we, she can travel, uh, like, she can unlock, like, a time travel element and then meet her from the, like, far, far, far future where she's evolved, like, you know, past aging and stuff. And she can be Matilda Swinton. <laughs> uh, that's a stupid joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, like, Matilda Swinton doesn't age, so I know. it works. Yep. We stand. We stand an unaging queen. Yeah. Yeah, and then, uh, oh, earlier they played Rusted Root um, during a semi on my way, on my way. Oh, semi yeah. Semi on my way, on my way. Yeah. Semi on my way. Yeah. That song. I was talking about this with uh, Nicole again. Hello, Nicole. And Nicole. I got nothing against Rusted Root. I just cannot believe how popular they were. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was like, it was a one-hit wonder thing, but, like, they had enduring popularity after that. Because they're kind of, like, jammy, stonery things, so, like, they just hung around and, like, it's like Dave Matthews Band, except you probably haven't heard of them. Sure. But it's just that, like, it just hung around on college campuses forever because, like, it's kind of fun and bouncy and, like, it's good to smoke weed too, I guess. Mm -hmm. It has that kind of vibe to it. Sure. But, yeah, they play that um, song during an early montage of, like, not Mara Wilson, like a younger actress making breakfast uh, with her powers. And then also going to the library or? Uh, It might be part of that same montage. It's in there. But but it's before, because we start with, you know, 
Matilda as a baby, and then it's Matilda at like two, and then at three, and whatever. And then yeah, when she, there's when like she's... a growing up montage thing of like she'd yeah. go to the library, and then after yeah, being when, there when for she was some... six and a half, that's Mara Wilson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, we get Rusted Root, and that, and then the Rusted Root song starts playing again uh, at the end, and it's and it's a good song to end on. It's it's the right tone. It's very yeah. upbeat and bouncy, and you know, yeah, stuff um, worked out. Yeah, it's great. Um, and that's that's it. Those are the end of my notes. Um. Only other thing I wanted to mention, I really love, there's a, there's a sight gag, so again, not great for radio, uh, but when Matilda first gets the idea that she's going to do uh, justice pranks, um, mm-hmm. and she does the, you know, she's going to do the peroxide in the hair oil thing, she sneaks into her parents' bedroom, and they have, like, a privacy screen, like, changing screen, um, and she's kind of sneaking behind that, but if they wake up, they'll still be able to see her. It's, it's sheer, but it's not, you know, totally opaque. So her father's alarm clock goes off, that's the clock I like. And he gets up and, you know, runs, like, over to the bathroom, you know, and, and doesn't see her. And so she's trying to crawl out, and then her mother sits up. And there's a great sight gag where Rhea Perlman's sleep mask has these big, like, cartoonish eyes, like, drawn on it. So then it's just, like, like three-second shot of Rhea Perlman just, like, staring, quote-unquote, staring at the camera with these weird cartoon sleep mask eyes. Mm-hmm. It's really silly, but I really liked it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, like, oddly Pan's Labyrinthy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it's a little, it's creepy. Um, but that was fun. Good tension in that scene, which yeah. is weird because tension's hard. Yeah. So. Especially when you've been maintaining a light tone. Yeah. For the rest of things. Like to then switch gears and be like, this is tense. Like can be difficult. Yeah. That Tim Burton-y thing in this where it's like, it's right on that, on that line of yeah. like, it could just be a cartoon, but it could be kind of scary at any moment. And it's, it's, it's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I will start. Yes. Um, I think this is a great watch. Like, this is a fucking strong recommend great watch. I am in my late 30s. Yeah. I just saw it for the first time, and I cannot believe no one told me how good this movie yeah, was. Yeah, it holds up. It's so goddamn good. Well, I mean, I feel like you had some notion, because when we were going to watch the kangaroo movie, Matilda, everybody's like, oh, yeah, the Roald doll, And, you know, it's like, no, it's, it's the other one. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, and, I just assumed because it was a thing yeah. every, I know everybody I knew grew up with yeah. that I had just missed. Right. And I just like, I was like, oh, it's, yeah, everybody must have seen it except me. Oh, okay. Throw it in the pile. Sure. Yeah. Um, But it wasn't something I actively avoided. Like, like we, at the end of last year, we watched the Josie and the Pussycats movie for the first time, which is something yeah. I avoided because... Um, Spice World was bad. Because <laughs> Spice World was bad and I <laughs> conflated them and the people that I knew that really liked Josie and the Pussycats also really liked Spice World. Which, I mean, like, there is some overlap with that, but yeah, sure. there is a, a difference in, in quality. I'm not sure what I would analogize that to be. I but... mean, well, knowing now yeah. that, like, Josie and Pussycats honks. Oh, sorry. that's the current parlance? No, um, shout out to Blank Check. They'll never, ever know that I well, uh-huh. talk about them. But um, David on Blank Check uses honks oh, because... Oh, okay. Yeah, it's not aggressive. Sure. Um, slaps and fucks are both good, but they're aggressive in sure. one way or another, whereas yeah. honks is not. Right, it's um, just, uh, you know, calling positive attention, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So, Josie and the Pussycats, totally honks. But knowing now how good that is, the crossover there is that, like, oh, shout out to Kim. Hi, Kim. I don't know if you're, if you're listening to this. And Chrissy. Hi, Chrissy. Those are the two people who liked both those movies. It's that they're really big Spice Girls fans. Sure, yeah. 
And then also Josie and the Pussycats unrelated is very good. Yeah. So those are the things. It's like, oh, I know this movie sucks, but it has the Spice Girls in it. Yeah. And this movie's very good. And they seem to be of a kind because they're both about like being in a pop group in that era and whatever. And they both right. have Alan Cumming. But yeah. But they're very different in quality. Yes. And uh, so, you know, yeah. that I actively avoided because I was mistaken as to what kind of what the quality would be. Sure. Um, whereas this, I just, you know, didn't catch it. And yeah. I really... I did myself I did myself dirty on that one because it's really good. Yeah. Um, Danny DeVito, like I said, we went through the list. I've seen like eighty percent of his uh, film output. Mm-hmm. I think like Danny DeVito has got a pretty goddamn good track record. Yeah. It's like legit one of my favorite directors. I think. Yeah. I mean, pound for pound, less films than other people, but sure, it's damn good. Yeah. Um, Danny DeVito, if you've ever liked to come on the podcast, yeah. please do. Never gonna happen. Eh, maybe. <laughs> it's always sunny he, yeah i was gonna say he's he's here sometimes yeah sometimes <laughs> they, do some, they do some location shooting <laughs> stop by my dude uh so it's a great watch i strongly recommend Allison. yeah i also agree that it's a great watch um this also like when we watched joe's and the pussycats i remembered liking when i was younger hadn't seen it in a very long time and was just like ooh, do i like this because i was young when i saw it or do i like it because it's legitimately good because I don't have a lot of things that I liked when I was a kid, but turned out to be crap. But there were a few. Sure. And, you know, because you're not necessarily... You know, like, sometimes you just you jive with something because it's got a thing you like, not because right. the or, whole thing holds up. Or, or it's something that you had access to and you watched a million times. Right. And you like it and just because comforting. of repetition. Yeah. yeah. Or even just that, like, it's uh, a thing that, like, came to you in the right moment or yeah. something. Although... I mean, I'm more likely to have seen something when I was younger and have a very strong negative reaction to it. And then as I got older, kind of went, oh, okay, I don't hate this as much, but it's still not good. It's just not as infuriating as I found it the first time. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, But yes, this this is still good. Um, It is a good one. And uh, it hews pretty closely to the book, which I always find kind of interesting. Like, I like to read things and also see their films and stuff and it's fun looking at the differences but also very frequently not very frequently sometimes you do have movies that like yeah manage to really hit a lot of those beats or use a lot of that uh you know a lot of the dialogue from the book and that kind of thing and yeah yeah this was a pretty true to the story adaptation um all the major plot points are in there and then a decent amount of like smaller scenes and dialogue also show up and yeah it just it's it's good and like i like i said during this whole thing it's got its own feel to it as well which is very interesting that it's able to ride that line and it's able to kind of have its own mood but that it's still appropriate yeah so uh, universal among the two of us both recommended strongly recommended great watch if you've missed it go check it yeah, no, I got the uh, the Blu-ray, very cheap, and the uh, visual video quality is mm-hmm. like great. It's such a nice crisp, yeah, um, thing. Okay, cool. Thanks for listening uh, once again, Allison. Thanks for doing this with me. Yeah. Update for any of our you know uh, friends, family, fans who are listening. Uh, as of today, Allison and I are both fully vaccinated. Well, 
It's in me. I need another two weeks. Yeah, in two weeks we'll be able to socialize. Yeah. But we both got the jab this week, the second uh, second dose. Yeah. And we're very excited. That's what Allison was doing this morning. Yeah. And while she was doing that, I set up to record. And now we've drank coffee and recorded this episode. And um, we're very excited to still wear masks everywhere we go. Mm-hmm. Because it's not just about us. It's also about everybody else. Yeah. And, um, you know, but to be able to cautiously interact with our friends and family and loved ones again. I hope uh, every listener to this are also, you know, taking precautions, staying safe, taking care of themselves, and taking care of everybody. You can, as always, email us at writehatewatchgreatwatch, that's W-R-I-T-E-H-W-G-W at gmail.com. Or follow us at hatewatchgreatwatchpodcast, that's H-W-G-W podcast, on Twitter or Instagram. You can find us every other Wednesday, that's every, every other Wednesday. Wednesday, on moviejohn.com and the Movie John Podcast Network. And uh, thanks for listening. Yep. I don't really have a like an I don't have a snappy outro. Thanks nope. for listening, you piss worm. On the way. I'll send me on my way, on my way. I'll send me on my way, home my way. I'll send me on my way. Bye. I'll send me on my way, on the whip. I'll send me on my way, on the whip. Send me on my way, my whip. I would like to reach out my hand on my sail. Um, How much of this do you know? I had a radio in the 90s. Okay. But to see everybody young. Lift me up, yeah. On a high. Clearly, I only know half the words. Oh, my tail. Oh, my tail. You're wrong. Home away. Home away. I'm about to see everybody young. Home away. I would like to hold your little hand. Um, up hip up a gale ho. All right, I'm gonna go see what's at the door. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>their most notable feature mm-hmm. it's like it's wolverine but instead of having like razor sharp metal claws that shoot out of his forearms it's spaghetti gross <laughs> i don't make the rules man 30 lashes with a wet noodle bub yeah it's a perfect uh hugh jackman <laughs> i'm the greatest showman bub <laughs>